Hello, everybody, and welcome to All In. My name is Seth Fox Adventures. And I'm Tatsunoko versus Eric, and I am ready to kick spooky season off right. Eric, what are you talking about? October doesn't even start until the end of next week. Are you sure? I mean, there were a couple pretty disturbing things that happened in the news this week. And and I mean, just, just look at this week's releases. We have ghosts and... We even have a spooky choose-your-own-adventure mystery. That's fair, actually. You are right about that. We just released our first-ever video review for it just a few days ago, and we're diving even deeper today in the Indie Showcase as we break down the mystery of Beacon Pines. And, And we even had a pirate demon invade the Switch this week. Certainly feels like spooky season already. Regardless, the release of Return to Monkey Island this past Monday on Talk Like a Pirate Day gave us the perfect reason to finally count down the greatest pirates to ever sell Nintendo's Seven Seas this week in the top five. Okay, well, we're closing out the show in a big way with our full review of Splatoon 3 joined by the man himself, Cheesy. And look, that's like this brightly colored, family-friendly shooter. I don't see anything scary about that, Eric. Uh, Have you seen the games online? Actually, yeah, you know what? That's fair. Exactly. Now let's start the show. It's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. We are here bringing you another episode of All In Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show, where each and every Saturday, no shells left unturned and no point is left unearned. We are happy to be sitting here with y'all today, uh, this week on another episode. Um, Got a lot to get into this week. Kind of a weird news week as we sit here live on twitch.tv slash Podcast, recording our weekly news roundup live. So shout outs to everybody who is watching us live. Hi, folks. We appreciate Hello. you. <laughs> Hello in TV land. <laughs> in TV land. And of course, you can do that um, for for now anyway. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, on twitch.tv slash all in podcast on Friday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, so again, just, uh, just thanks and shout outs to everybody who watches us live every week. But um, you know what else, Eric? Who else we need to shout out? Uh, the people that help make the dream come true, Seth. They make the dream come true over there on patreon.com slash all podcast where our golden banana and Triforce tier patrons get shouted out at the beginning of each and every episode. Starting with our golden banana tier patrons, we've got Dan Caparello of the Retrologic Podcast. Dan we've Caparello. got oh, oh. <laughs> the echo. We have got Solo Something, John Cummins something, something, something. of the uh, actually. Let me backtrack to Solo because Solo just, um, I believe, just started his own podcast called Film Logic as part of the uh, the Retrologic family of podcasts. So that was pretty well, that cool would make to sense. see. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see. Let and, me guess. Um, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. It's about films. I believe it is about films. I think you're right about that. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but congrats on the launch solo and uh, definitely, you know, help our buddy out and, and give his new uh, venture a follow and everything. I've got it queued up. I got to listen to it. Uh, John Cummins, uh, Cummins the Cummins. second 
part of the Retrologic podcast and host of On Topic Retro. Uh, Rob Yapel, third strongest mole, our buddy Sam, the third strongest co-host of the Retrologic podcast. Sean Ashton, Sean O'Baggins, Tim Tim A, a.k.a. Neo Prime 33, a.k.a. Nintendo Dad number four. That's a heck of an echo. How are you going to do that Tim, one? Tim, 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 Tim. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Matt, Shy Guy, City, Murray, as well as Shy Guy, both of them members of the fearless Shy Guy, squad, Shy squad, Guy squad, Mod Squad. squad, squad that's squad. right. <laughs> We've got Drew Agnew, the handsome host of the House of Mario podcast. Um, Mario, 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 Mario. Actually, just Mario. Just Mario as a, as a Golden Banana tier supporter. Um, <laughs> and then going into the Triforce tier, we've got Josh Vaughn, our good buddy Josh Vaughn. Bon, we've bon, got bon, bon. the <laughs> Vaughn, Josh Vaughn. Uh, we've got the Globetrotten, Jet Set, and Sparky. As always, appreciate him. Sparky, Sparky, Sparky. 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 That was a louder echo. And as always, the legend himself. Uncle, 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 Randy, Randy, <laughs> Randy, Randy, Randy. Love you, Uncle Randy. Shout outs to Uncle Randy. Love and appreciate you for all of your support. Uh, folks, we've also got a new five-star review to shout out, man. This is really cool. This comes to us from Presto the Magnificent on Podchaser. Our good, our good buddy Presto. Uh, Presto says, definitely didn't create another Podchaser account to leave another five-star review. Because he did. Uh, he says, you guys deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Aww. I agree. I agree. I appreciate that, Presto. We do. Biased, but still true. Still true. Uh, this is the highest quality Nintendo show with a little something for everyone. Seth and Eric truly go all in with top fives, indie spotlights, and of course, the gigantic news segment. It's an absolute beast of a show, but a beast that I will gladly listen to all the way through, keeping it in my weekly rotation. On this show, no shells left unturned, no point is left unearned, and Eric always needs to rethink his life choices. <laughs> And he let me just let, ch- ch- checks notes, checks notes, checks notes. Yeah, no lies detected. <laughs> no lies detected. He says, you know what, guys? I'll help you out. Join the Patreon like the legend that is Uncle Randy. And if you, can- <laughs> if you can't do that, you know what you could do? You could drop some words over on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Spotify. He's missing Audible. No, we've never had an Audible review. So presto, maybe you can be our first Audible review. We, and, did, uh, we, we did write this. I promise you, we didn't actually No, write we did this. not write. He's not being paid. He's not on the payroll. Um, and, and Presto finishes here saying, seriously, you, listener, go do it. Also, check out Off the Wall Nintendo Podcast. Okay, bye. Okay, there it it's, is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so Presto, of course, is the host of uh, of Off the Wall Nintendo Podcast. Who, uh, Presto great podcast he he, he does a, a good job with that man he uh he started that a, a couple months back and he stuck with it probably the most unique nintendo podcast i've ever listened to like that nobody but presto could make that show so <laughs> uh all the props and thanks in the world of presto you guys can leave five star reviews as well and drop some words for us as presto said and get your review chiseled into the eternal rock of all in a nintendo podcast and we appreciate that very very much indeed um, okay. Matters of housekeeping to attend to before we, before we, uh, light this candle here properly. 
The um, future of All In is at stake, ladies and gentlemen. I guess. I, I mean, I don't know how big of a deal this is to y'all, but but this is something we definitely at least wanted to acknowledge. Um, so earlier this week, two things happened. First of all, YouTube issued an announcement. I believe it was on Monday. Uh, YouTube was like, hey, like we're investing more in our creators. We're actually making uh, monetization options available for YouTube shorts, which is great because that's been uh, a problem for YouTube creators is like there's not a great way to make money off of your shorts. Like I've got a YouTube short that has half a million views, not making a cent. You know what I mean? Um, so that so now that they're moving towards that, people are going to be incentivized to come off of something like TikTok or Facebook or whatever and make YouTube shorts instead. So that's very cool. Um, so YouTube announces that. They announced a lot of other little creator-friendly uh, creator initiatives. There's going to be a, um, a library of license-free music for creators to use, which is really cool. Um, so anyway, YouTube just had this like, outpouring of news of like very creator friendly moves. And then the next day, Twitch announced pretty much the most, in the most they tone deaf move. Yeah. This is maybe Twitch the most, announced they were dumb. The, like the most tone deaf thing I think I've ever seen a company do in recent memory. They, they announced that they are removing the 70, 30 revenue split that Twitch partners used to have. They, they still do this change isn't even being enacted until next year, next June, I think. So I don't know why they announced it now, much less a day after their competitor had a massive W. I don't know why they didn't just sit on it for like a month, you know. But in any case, um, they are reducing the 70-30 partner split to a 50-50 split, which is um, the split that affiliates like us yep. currently get. Um, so basically, they are taking money away from the people that drive the most traffic to their platform. A and it's, lot of money. It's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's 25% basically. Right. So that's, you know, Twitch is, Twitch is taking a lot of money out of the pockets of, of partners. Um, and it also means that we've already hit the ceiling, frankly, like out of like the, the success that we could garner on Twitch as a platform, we've hit the ceiling of it. We're never going to make, you know, more money. We're never going to get a better slice of the revenue um, on Twitch than we are now. So why bother focusing on it? Um, like we can gain more followers. We can gain yeah. more views. We can get more money that way. But just in terms of a better deal for ourselves. Right. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. To be fair, because this isn't happening until next June, it would not surprise me at all, especially after the ridiculous amount of backlash that Twitch has suffered this week if they wound up backpedaling here fairly quickly. But as they of might. right now, this is what's going on. Uh, like I said, wouldn't surprise me. Certainly wouldn't be the first time something like that has happened. But if everything happens the way it is currently announced, I think you're going to see a lot of people. I really can't emphasize that word a lot enough. You're going to see a lot of people jumping ship for YouTube very shortly. And, and we've already been seeing it. And a lot of the biggest streamers on the platform have already uh, moved to YouTube. So um, that, you know, that, that's already kind of been happening because Twitch has had a longstanding problem with the way they run ads and stuff on their content. Um, Twitch has some benefits for sure. Twitch has like, you know, it makes things a lot more streamlined. There are a lot more tools, fun little ways that chat can interact with your stream and things like that. 
So, you know, and Twitch has a lot more discoverability. There are benefits to Twitch for sure. Um, YouTube is kind of like the, the new kid on the block when it comes to streaming. Um, but YouTube is actually investing in creators in a way that Twitch isn't. Twitch is taking money out of creators' pockets and uh, their excuse for doing this is because they they aren't making enough money. They say it's, it isn't sustainable to maintain that 70-30 split despite the fact that they're owned by one of the most lucrative companies on the planet. So, you know, there's that. Um, I like, we don't see their books. We don't know how they run their finances, but that is a massive, massive pay shift. And, and again, Twitch owned by Amazon who makes all the money, like all of it. It, it really surprises me that that's the only way they can find for a sustainable quote unquote, sustainable, uh, revenue stream moving forward as a platform. Yeah. And, and I guarantee you, by the way, the next thing on the chalk, uh, chopping block is going to be Twitch, uh, Twitch prime subs. That's absolutely going to be the next thing. Cause if you're looking at your metrics, maybe the free way for Amazon prime members to like basically give out free money to streamers, maybe that is actually hemorrhaging a bit more money from you also. So I, I bet you that's next on the chopping block. And even if they do, I could see that. That that's honestly what I could see them doing, rolling back the 70/30 thing but eliminating Twitch Prime subs. So, I don't know. Either way, uh the company's issued that statement, so um my my thoughts on that, I mean unless they do a drastic change to to keep us here, uh look, we have no obligation to continue streaming on the platform if we we feel like we've kind of hit the ceiling of it we're already kind of thinking of moving to youtube anyway just to unify the community there that's where we have like we have over 2000 subscribers on our youtube channel um versus you know like just just to be completely transparent with y'all versus like 150 or something like that on twitch so you know like the just the audience there is larger and you know we could make it a lot more seamless for you guys if we put it in one place so that it was already kind of percolating, but now from this announcement, it's like, okay, cool. Makes, makes a lot more sense. Y'all kind of made that decision easy. Yeah. Our so. only obligation is to you guys to give you guys yeah. the best content we can. We don't care what platform that's on. Yeah. So that's kind of what's going on with that. I just wanted to, to kind of briefly mention that, but sir, what's been going on in your world this week? Well, continuing to, you know, make up for lost time for that full calendar month that I spent in Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, I finished, uh, as a matter of fact, right after last week's episode went live, I rolled credits on both Splatoon 3 and Yoku's Island Express. And we're going to be talking quite a bit more about Splatoon 3 later on in the show. Make sure to stay tuned for that. But I guess I should give a few thoughts on Yoku's Island Express. And at the end of the day, I'm going to say it, I, mm, I'm going to say that it didn't land with me. Really? I'm surprised yeah. by that. Yeah, I was too, because obviously, you know, I'm a big pinball guy. It's a Metroidvania. It's kind of hard to not make that work. But it started off okay. I thought the visual style was really, really cool. I thought the concept was really, really cool. But as it kept going, a lot of the different tables, because a lot of the quests or missions that you wind up going through, do you just find yourself on different 
little pinball tables that you have to complete these little miniature quests on. Ultimately, a lot of the missions and tables are super simple and they don't really have a lot of variation in terms of what you're supposed to do. There was just this big samey feeling. The whole thing about just traversal throughout the map ultimately got kind of frustrating because so much of the traversal had to do with fairly accurate uh, ball hits. So like just moving upward a little bit of the map sometimes would take me 15 minutes because I'd just keep missing and I'd have to roll my ball back to where it is just to make another shot. So just the act of traversal by the end of the game started getting kind of complicated. There is a admittedly really interesting little fast travel system in the game. They call it beeline, but, uh, but by the end of it, I was just, there's some really cool ideas there and there's a good foundation to be built upon. The music was okay. The characters were pretty cool. Uh, but ultimately if I'm being completely honest, I, I probably wouldn't recommend it to too many people, although I would be interested in seeing a follow-up if they were Mm -hmm. able to kind of learn from the mistakes and make the individual tables a little bit more interesting, add a few mechanics in to the, uh, to the different mission tables, make traversal a little bit less, uh, a little bit more seamless. And uh, there were several times where one of the things that you have to do is you actually have to unlock a lot of the different paddles that you need to progress throughout the course of the game. And there were several times, several times where I ran across a paddle that I had to pay to unlock and like, it's really easy to start exploring and get off the beaten path and you'd wind up spending all your money on paddles elsewhere. So by the time I got back to the one I was supposed to get to, I had no money left, which is, uh, which is designated by fruit in the game. Mm-hmm. You can collect a bunch of fruit on your on your way around the island. So I, there were three or four times that I actually had to backtrack for like a good 40 minutes just to try to find enough fruit on the tables that I had already kind of milked dry just so I could progress throughout the main story. There's not to say there's nothing to love there. That's far from the truth. But it's one of those games where even though I love Metroidvanias, even though I'm a huge fan of pinball, by the end of that game, I was just kind of glad it was over so I could move on to other stuff. But if you want to check it out, you know, do so. I'm just not going to give it the all-in Eric glowing recommendation of awesomeness. That's fair. I really liked it. I, I mean, it's yeah. been years since I played it. It's been probably, yeah. I mean, that, that, that game came out like a month after the Switch did. So, yeah. so it, it's been many, many years since I've played it, but I, and I've only played it once, you know, but, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really liked it. And I, um, I didn't really, I don't remember having like too much friction like that, but again, maybe it's, you know, it could be just removal, just like, you know, yeah. time heals all wounds kind of things. I don't know. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's just kind of one of the truths of the creative industry is, you know, occasionally, like we always recommend games that we truly enjoy. We're not going to recommend yeah. games that we don't. That being said, we understand that some of the games are going to recommend to you guys are not going to be games that you're ultimately going to love. That's just, that's just going to happen. It's sometimes. subjective. It's art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, it stinks because we want you guys to love all the games that we do, but we wouldn't be individuals if that didn't happen. Occasionally we wouldn't be human beings if that didn't happen occasionally. So, uh, 
But that being said, another game that Seth fervently recommended to me that I've been very excited to play uh, was finally able to this week because my issues with getting the package delivered to me finally got fixed. (laughs) So this past week, I played through Bug Snacks, which I have up here on the the TV behind me. As a matter of fact, uh, I had to stop. I had to interrupt the final mission of the game so I could come record the show for you all tonight. That's how much I love and appreciate all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, I'm currently right in the middle of the final climactic mission of Bug Snacks. And in this regard, I, I am fully on board with everything Seth loves about this game. This is a special little title. I'm so happy it. that it finally came to Switch. We are going to have to force this game into the Indie Showcase here very soon. Uh, we cannot wait to talk about this. I can't wait to go through the DLC and kind of uh, finish going around and cleaning up everything that I still have left to do. But this is this is a really, really special little title. Super excited that I not only finally got the chance to play it, but that I have an amazing physical edition that I can see on my shelf. So thank you for the recommendation of that, Seth. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. Yeah, I love that game. I'm glad you finally played it. And uh, now you can watch the video I made finally. Exactly. Uh. (laughs) I have been specifically (laughs) avoiding that video that Seth made. Go back and check it out, especially if you've already beaten Bug Snacks. One of the first videos, one of the first big video essays that Seth did for our YouTube channel uh, has to do specifically with Bug Snacks spoilers. So if you've played the game, if you've beaten, uh, beaten the game, definitely go back and check that video out, especially if you like music and music theory. That's certainly one of Seth's big passions. Yeah. Mute, Mute Dog here in the chat. Shout outs to Mute Dog says he he remembers that video as well. So um, yeah, people people really resonated with that video and, and I like it a lot. But so if you've either already played Bug Snacks or if you don't mind spoilers, yeah, that's up on the YouTube channel. You can Eric can finally watch it. <laughs> exactly. Super looking forward to watching that uh, this weekend. But I'm going to end my little kind of what I've been up to with something that we're not really going to talk about in the news proper. We actually talked about it quite a bit this week on SideQuest, which we mm. did on Grand Theft Auto. But as I'm sure all of you are aware, if you listened, if you consume any type of video game news or content, you have heard about the re- ridiculous leaks and hacks that happened basically not just to GTA, but industry-wide at this point uh, last week going into this week. But of course, GTA was kind of the big, you know, elephant in the room when it came to that. And we talk, like I said, we talk quite a bit about the leaks in this side quest. I'm not going to cannibalize that too much, but you should definitely become a patron if you're not already and check out that brand new episode of SideQuest up right now for all of our amazing patrons. But I did want to say that I think just how awesome it was for like just the industry as a whole for all these amazing publishers and developers following the fallout from that leak when people were inexplicably criticizing a game in pre-alpha, inexplicably criticizing the look of a pre-alpha build of a game, how many different developers and publishers came out and showed footage and screenshots and media of their own games in the early stages of it, basically in solidarity to Rockstar and to Grand Theft Auto. That was so, so awesome. It was so, so awesome 
yeah. just basically taking all of these like historically bad takes that were on Twitter at the end of last week, going into the beginning of this week, and just raking it through the coals. Like, you all clearly have no clue what you're talking about. This is what game dev actually looks like. And to see so many companies come out in support and in solidarity of Rockstar was just so heartwarming to see this week. Yeah, that was great. Really, really great to see that. That kid got arrested earlier today, by the way. Which is <laughs> very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen year old kid. Seventeen year old kid. Yeah, he, he got arrested today. So yeah, that was that you know, got his just desserts, I suppose. And yeah, we did we did a full episode of side quest recently for our golden banana and triforce tier patrons. That's that's up on the uh, the Patreon feed. Um, you know, it's a good segue into what I've been up to because after um <laughs> After we did that episode of Psychos, literally while we were recording it, I was like, I got the itch. Let me buy yep. the, the Grand yep. Theft Auto trilogy. <laughs> it's on sale. It was it was half off. It was 30 bucks. And uh I wasted some money. Uh I wasted some money. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say that. Um that was that was a waste of money. Uh so I popped in and I played, you know, just a little bit of, of kind of all of them just to kind of touch them, get that little nostalgia hit, you know, see what the deal was. And uh, they're just not good, man. Like, I don't know why, like, even after all the patches and everything, like, the 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 biggest thing for me, well, okay, there are a few things that really, really bug me about this. They, they, it's, it's I, I not- just want to say, I just want to say... <laughs> This is this is all your own fault. This is it one thousand percent. It is this for for months. He was talking about how he wanted, actively wanted to play like the terribly unpatched, broken versions of these games that everybody I do. was screaming. I they do. Were. <laughs> if I were able to do that, then that would be better. Like it would be better if I was playing something. <laughs> if I if I was playing something that was just like just a mess and like it was kind of charming because it was such a mess. That'd be one thing. This is like they just it's it like they they made a mess and they just like tried to clean it up, spray some Febreze on it, but it still stinks. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> spray some Febreze. Yeah, it's it's bad. So um, so a I, I hate the visual style. Like they they put this like AI upscale on it, but because it's still um PS2 models at the end of the day. They just look gross. Like, I don't understand. Like, it, it literally would have been better. I'm not kidding. I watched, like, old gameplay of, like, Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City and things like that. The old versions look better to me. Genuinely. Like, putting this, like, AI upscale filter on it, it looks awful. I'm like, how did you guys think this was okay? Um, and then, like, the, the big egregious thing for me, though, is just the controls, like they tried to do this thing to unify the vehicle controls and like the on foot controls and it feels terrible. Like it just feels bad. Like to, to drive and walk around doesn't feel good and it feels completely different than it used to. Cause they, they try again, they try to kind of unify it. All three games should, you know, feel exactly the same and everything. And on paper, I guess that's okay, but man, it just, um, it just is a complete fail, man. And, and you know, it's it's unfortunate. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Maybe they'll continue to patch it because I would like I would genuinely like, especially, you know, after we did the side quest, I kind of felt the same way you did. I got a little bit of jonesing for GTA, but I didn't go ahead 
And at least you didn't pay full price for it is all I can say. No, I wouldn't uh, have. Yeah. If, if it, it was because it was on sale, I just like, we're talking about it. I pulled out my switch and I was like, Hey, you know, I got this bug. Let me, let me, how much is this thing going for these days? 30 bucks. All right. Yeah. I'll bite. And yeah, I, I wasted some money, but it, I will it say is the reason, the reason Seth was able to get it half off is because through the end of this weekend, Nintendo actually has a fairly robust, what they're calling a blockbuster sale going on right now. There's actually a lot of high profile games, like 30 to 50% off right now on the Nintendo Switch eShop. It's not just Grand Theft Auto. Like they got Skyrim, No More Heroes 3, Doom Eternal, Sonic Colors, uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, Monster Hunter Rise and Sunbreak, Diablo 2, uh, the Crash Trilogy, like Tony Hawk's the list goes on. There's there's a ton of high uh, hope high profile games on sale, oh, yeah. like the Dragon Ball Fighter Z Complete Collection, which is normally like a hundred dollars. That's fifteen bucks right now. So uh, there's a lot of high profile games on sale. If you've been looking for a reason to pick up a few of these, maybe check your Switch this weekend. Yeah, and and that's actually that's probably a good a good chance to just kind of quickly mention the uh, Pikmin Three sale. That yeah. is going on uh, through, I think, the twenty fifth, right? Yeah, it's part of the it's part of this blockbuster sale. Yeah, okay. So it's part of the sale. So Pik- mm-hmm. Pikmin three, if you're you know if you're Jones in for some Pikmin uh, after the Pikmin four announcement last week during the direct, um, you can pick up Pikmin three at a at a discount. Is it is it thirty percent or forty percent off? For thirty percent off right now, 30%. and you should. Not only is it great, but they've got like some cool holiday DLC in there. The bingo mode is awesome. The, it the, is. the PvP bingo mode is super cool. The the main game is is awesome anyway. Even though I still want to murder Louis, but uh, but yeah, the bingo mode in, in three deluxe is awesome. I really hope it comes back in Pikmin four. Uh, but yeah, other than that, for me, um, so I've been playing Return to Monkey Island, which I'm very of happy course. to finally have that makes me happy that return to monkey island is finally here um so been playing that really enjoying it this is one that i would definitely you know i've got a lot of love and and nostalgia for for monkey island anyway i've talked about that on the show i was very excited for it the game though i think is very welcoming to newcomers so like okay if you're interested in this game if you like point and click adventures uh, Return to Monkey Island, I think, actually has a lot there to facilitate that. Um, it Because it, that was a worry of mine going in. I was like, man, is this going to be like... Because if it's going to be like the old school Monkey Island games, that's going to be a that's going to be an uphill battle for some people. But there's a lot of quality of life stuff in this. There are two different difficulty modes. There's like a casual and like a hardcore mode, which is kind of weird. I don't really know what the difference is. I don't really know how you would. <laughs> I don't know really how you would facilitate a harder point and click adventure. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It says it says that the uh, it says that the puzzles get harder, but I I don't really know how how you could do that. But um, one Happy one thing out. that they yeah what one thing they do though is they have um, a couple of things. They have a to do list, which is great. So like if I am off the game for a day or whatever, and I need to come back in. Um, then it's just like, okay, cool. Like I have this thing. I, I, I'm never wondering what I'm supposed to be doing. It's all laid out in front of me. This is what you're supposed to be doing. They also have got similarly, I shouted this out when it came to, there is no game wrong dimension. Um, they've got a really good hint system in this one, uh, which is very nice. I love it when games have a robust 
uh, hint system. And very similarly to There Is No Game, um, this game has got this like book where you can say, hey, um, you know, I, I want a hint. It'll give you kind of a vague hint you know, it'll, it'll, it'll give you kind of a vague hint to kind of point you in the right direction. Or if you want to keep pushing it, you want more hints, it'll eventually just tell you what to do if you want to. So I love that. Um, it's got a lot of great, you know, it feels a lot like it's, it's like going home, you know, you're, you're back on melee Island, uh, at the beginning of the game. I'm only a couple of hours into it. Um, so you're, you know, you're back on melee Island and, you know, you can go to the old scum bar and the, <laughs> the dude with the ask me about loom button is still there, you know, and the, the game has this sort of like times they are a change in story to it. Even like, it's kind of like, it's aware that it's an old, like 30 year old franchise coming back <laughs> in 2022. It's very aware of that. Um, yeah, the I, I really was like always it. very aware. Yes. Yes. Very, um, and, and, you know, the writing is still great and it's great to see all these characters. Um, you know, I've personally always liked the new art style for it. So that's never been a, a point of contention for me personally, but I know that some people don't like the art style. Um, it runs great on switch. You know, you can play it, uh, with the touch screen if you want to, or like traditional controls, which feel great. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have any complaints with it. I'm looking forward to, uh, to working my way through it. There's I wonder just what so Elijah much. Wood thinks of it. <laughs> I would like to know what Elijah Wood thinks of it. <laughs> if hey, if Elijah Wood ever wants to come on the podcast and do a Monkey yeah. Island review, hey, come on, dude, let's go, <laughs> let's go, Frodo. Um, so yeah, other than that, um, so I've been chipping away, still kind of heading into the finale, I guess, of Xenoblade. Um, I'm in chapter seven now, which I believe to be do the it. final chapter. Do yeah. it. So hopefully I'll be finishing that this weekend so that we can finally do our review next week on the show. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm heading into the the final chapter. I just started chapter seven of Xenoblade. Uh, I, I just got done. You'll know this, Eric. Maybe oh, people yeah. who've played Xenoblade will know. I just got done gathering all the parts for like the, the ship or whatever at the end. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Origin the pieces or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just got done doing that. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of just charging through to, to the end and, um, I'm ready. I'm ready to never emotionally recover. I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to not be able to look at video games the same. I'm here for you, Seth. <laughs> so, uh, look forward to our review on the show next week. I'm hoping to have the game scene. finished. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to have the game finished this weekend. So. Post-credit scene. If anybody's going into the ending of Xenoblade Chronicles Three, just be aware there is a, a you know there is a. I'm not going to say anything other than that because if I say anything other than that, you're going to start to be able to infer stuff. But yes, there is a post-credit scene. Okay, good to know. Good to know. So yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to to sort of seeing the conclusion of this story and to give you guys a, a detailed review. Uh, next week on the show. Um, but beyond that, the last thing I'll shout out real quick before we move into our uh, news roundup, such as it is this week. Um, such as it is. <laughs> I wanted to quickly talk about Shovel Knight Dig, uh, which just came Yay! out today as we're live. It came out on Friday um, and I've played a little bit of it already and it's really, really good. Really? <laughs> Shovel yeah. Knight game is good? Yeah, you don't say, right? Surprising. Stop the presses. <laughs> that's a new, that's a newspaper reference for you younger listeners. <laughs> what Eric? What's a press? 
Yeah. Shovel Knight Dig. It's really good. Um, this is a, you know, it, it was kind of gratifying to see that Yacht Club even refers to it as basically Shovel Knight Downwell, because that's what I've been calling it. Yeah, I it. saw that. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. That's so cool. That's basically what it is. I mean, it, it is a roguelite, procedurally generated uh, Shovel Knight Downwell, basically. I mean, Shovel Knight, at the beginning of the game gets his bag of gems stolen from him by uh, Drill Knight, a new a new knight who then burrows deep under the uh, into the ground and this like cavernous, you know, dungeons and all these things that Shovel Knight has to, you know, go down into the well and, you know, brave its contraptions and enemies and bosses and things like that. So, I mean, it does make sense. If, if you were going to make a roguelike based on Shovel Knight, it, it should be about how far he could dig. I mean, that just makes too much sense. That Yeah, that's a good point. So, so yeah, I mean, Shovel Knight Dig is like, it, it's a, it's a, I mean, yes, it is a roguelite, but it does kind of feel like, despite all of that, it does feel like a somewhat traditional, I don't want to say traditional, but it feels more in line with the original game than I feel like something like Pocket Dungeon does. Because Pocket Dungeon is just a puzzle game, right? Yeah. Um, it's a great puzzle game, but it is a puzzle game. Um, this has different, you know, fundamentals to it, but, like, it still feels like a Shovel Knight adventure. Like, yeah. you're playing a Shovel Knight. You're going through these zones or whatever. There's a boss at the end of each one. Exactly, a traditional yeah. kind of you know knight fight. There are new knights. Um, the the first boss is Spore Knight, and he's great. He's like <laughs> this mushroom knight, and he's awesome. The, um, what is this one like? The Order of One Quarter? Then I I don't they they I think they're called the oh gosh I'm blanking. There is a name, but I'm forgetting what it is. Uh, the Hexcavators, I think maybe okay. something like that. I, I think it's the Hexcavators. Uh, I don't know. People can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's what it is. But, that would um, make sense. You know, Hexane and Excavator. That, that would make sense if that were true. It is probably the most gorgeous pixel art I have seen on the Switch. Um, it's very pretty. The, the pixel art is beautiful. Like, just the animation, the character designs. Um, even for, like, little nameless NPCs. There's this, I think it's called the Claude Miner. He's just this little mole NPC and like has the best character design. I'm like, man, like you guys did not have to go this hard. Um, it's got all the, you know, all the trappings of a great roguelite. It's got all the things where, you know, you're on the surface. There's like a base camp. You can go and buy upgrades and, you know, all kinds of variety in the actual procedural levels. Uh, music's phenomenal. Jake Kaufman, of course, returning for the score. Um, he is probably my favorite modern chiptune artist. So, you know, the music's great. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking for This is going to be my go-to editing game. I can already tell. Like, this is going to be my desk side <laughs> editing companion. I can already tell. So, very, very it. much looking forward to it. Ah. I dig it. <laughs> I see what you did there. So, uh, Shovel Knight Dig, it's $24.99. Worth noting, it is uh, on Apple Arcade as well. So, if you have Apple Arcade, you can play it as part of that, too. So, nice. shout-outs to that. Um, I'm looking forward to spending more time with Pocket Dungeon. I'm really looking forward yeah. to playing Dig. I'm really still looking forward to Mina, though. Me, too. Yeah, of course. Mina the, Mina the Hollower, whenever that comes out. I don't think that's deleted to come out for another year or two. 
No, it's um, it's going to be a while, time. but but very very excited for Yacht Club's follow up to the Shovel Knight IP. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of saying like you know Shovel Knight was like our our Mario Mega Man kind of thing or whatever, and Mina's their Zelda. So I'm yeah I'm here for that. I, I couldn't back that on Kickstarter quickly enough. Mm-hmm. So um very very happy to have Shovel, uh, Shovel Knight dig, and it's just it's just like keeps up that consistent quality, man. Like anything that has the Shovel Knight name really is just so high quality, and I just really love that about uh, about Shovel Knight as an IP. Um, I, I really like the the tact that Yacht Club has taken because it would have been easy, right, for them to just make Shovel Knight sixty four. Super Shovel Knight, whatever. They could have done that. They could have done that for the rest of their careers if they wanted to. Yes. Um, but yes, instead, they very they much have... made up for that little Arby's snafu. <laughs> That's true. Longtime fans of the show will remember the the Arby's snafu. Um, but but I just I really like the approach of like let's let's talk to other developers to make really interesting Shovel Knight spinoffs that are all just extraordinarily high quality and, and dig is no exception. So, uh, very, very much enjoying it, but that is about all I have been playing, sir. We've got kind of a weird news roundup this week. It's been, uh, you know, we're, we're in the, the post direct week, right? We don't expect there to be a ton of news after we just got a direct. No, it's not a super heavy news week, which is fine because, frankly, I think we need to spend part of our time performing an intervention for my co-host about (laughs) his unhealthy obsession with a certain Nintendo character. But let's talk about it. Hey, listen. All right, Seth, uh, let's, let's begin by talking about this unhealthy relationship you seem to have with Pauline. Let, let, let's get everything out in the open. Let's get everything out of the open here. So, by the way, Seth Seth told me if we got to if we got to 2500 followers on Twitter, he'd get a Pauline tattoo. He actually said that to me. He absolutely you, said that to me. You know, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to that. I I wouldn't mind getting a Pauline tattoo. I love Pauline. But Talking about YouTube shorts from a while back. If you do follow us on youtube.com slash all in podcast. And if you don't, what are you even doing with your life? But if you do, you will know that Seth posted up a YouTube short following Pauline's inclusion in Mario Strikers Battle League. Basically professing his undying love for the mayor of New Donk City. Yeah, I, I offer no further explanation, honestly. I <laughs> I um I mean look, I, I I've said it before on the show. I think Pauline is best girl. Um I think that she is the uh I, I think that she is who should be positioned as Mario's love interest. She was Mario's first love interest. And um yeah, I, I no further explanation. No comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I love her, man, and and I think that she, I think she should be in more games. It's cool that you know we finally are seeing her in Mario Strikers, but like, you know that that's the big one for me where I'm like, why is Pauline? This is you know, she. I mean, she's as, as old as Mario is really as a character. She was in the, the right there, Donkey Kong 1981, you know, um, and and I just think that you know she's part of the best moment in Mario Odyssey. You know, one of the best moments of the entire franchise. She has long That's been, fair. you know, she, she's not royalty. She's not a celestial god like Rosalina. She is just a mayor. She's just a an every person, just like Mario is. And, um, you know, and she also doesn't give Mario the runaround like Peach does all the time, you know. So 
I just I I think Mario what what Mario's been looking for has been here the whole time is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, this of course all came about because Pauline has of course been included in the second wave of free DLC for Mario Strikers Battle League like we briefly mentioned. Oh, and also Diddy Kong is here now too. I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Diddy Kong was basically kind of a given, I think. Given Pauline's history, I guess you could say she was kind of a given now, but it still wasn't really a sure thing. She's not in Mario but Kart. I, Where, like, Why is she not in Mario Kart? This makes no sense to me. This is what I'm saying. Well, they haven't added any new characters in Mario Kart since like 2015, though. You got to fix that, man. They, they got to fix that. Got to put her in. But apparently Pauline is... Seth is in this thing. Pauline is the greatest video game female of all time. Changed my mind. <laughs> kind of. Well, and, and so as Mute Dog in the chat points out, she is in Mario Kart Tour. She is in Mario Kart Tour, but she has not made it into Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. They, Which is they the had real her... Mario Kart. Right. I mean, yeah. Who's playing that anymore? Um, <laughs> but they... Um, they, they had her in, in Mario Tennis Aces, of course, yep. you know, Mario Golf. Yep. Uh, and now she's in, she's in Strikers, which is great, you know, but I just don't understand why she isn't like a stock character, base roster, you know, right up there with Peach, Rosalina, Daisy. I mean, honestly, even Daisy only just got added to Strikers. So... I don't know. I just, I feel like every now and then you got to slap Nintendo around a little bit. What are you doing? Well, you could look at it like this. You could say that they now view Pauline as a premium character above characters like Peach or Daisy. I don't like that. I, I, I think that, I, I think that she deserves to be in the base roster. Like, honestly, I, I genuinely think that like put her in smash you know, put her in like she's she has got so much history with the Mario franchise. And I just feel like we're sleeping on that, man. We're all hung up on all these other characters. We're sleeping on Pauline. So anyway, I'll get off my I'll get off my soapbox about Pauline. But I'm excited but, that she's in Strikers. Not the not the update that I wanted for Strikers, but I'm happy to see her. But truth, truth be told, if in Mario Odyssey 2, Mario decided to present his new bouquet of flowers to Pauline instead of Peach, you would be happy with that. Oh, very much so. I, I honestly think that that is the direction that the Mario series should go in, especially after, like at the end of Mario Odyssey, spoilers, I guess, for like a five plus year old game at this point. And we're right around yeah. five years of Mario Odyssey. Um, at the end of Mario Odyssey, Peach leaves them high and dry. Peach is like, that hey, was, no. Yeah. That had the potential to be the greatest moment in the history of the Mario franchise. And I don't know, I don't know why it didn't happen, but Peach canonically got cold feet. And mm, I don't know. I'll tell you, this is going to be an amazing Twitter poll. We're going to post this tomorrow once the episode goes live. Who would you rather see Mario with? Pauline? Or Princess Peach, we would love to hear what you guys have to say on the situation. You, you all know the you all know the real answer. The, the um, right answer. But she 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 gets this you know the, this moment Peach does at the end of Mario Odyssey where she basically and I don't mind that she did this. I like that she did this. She was like, um, basically, I don't want any of y'all. I don't want Bowser. I don't want Mario. I'm gonna be my own person. And and like I was cool with that. I liked that. And and she you know. From there, her and I think it's Tiara. Tiara is like the female Cappy, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Um, they 
you know, they put on like their explorer's hat and they go off and they go and explore all the kingdoms themselves, which I which I liked. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But now, moving forward with Mario, let Peach go off and do her own thing, and let's let's make Pauline the the she is our one up girl. Let's make her the you know the actual focus. So I don't know. That's that's what I think. That would nothing would make me happier than to see that. All right. Well, so. we'll leave it up to the community whether or not uh, they think Pauline is overrated or not. You guys make your <laughs> overrated. Anybody who says Pauline is overrated, I'm sorry. I no. I I will fight you on the overrated. Are you you are out of your mind? Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> th- this was not the only thing that was added with this Mario Strikers update, though. We also no. got the uh, the Planetoid Stadium, yep, which is um, you know par for the course. They're always adding new stadiums to it. The Barrel there's Gear gotta, Set. There's got to be a better metaphor we can use for a soccer game than par for the course. That's true. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> soccer terminology. I don't watch soccer. Um, but but so so they added that they added the barrel gear set, which is kind of the, the Diddy Kong theming, because it was yeah. kind of weird, you know. They they added like two characters in this batch and everything. So, um, and then you've got a couple of club customization options. I think you can make your toads in the stands wear little hats. <laughs> exactly, you yeah. can make the audience wear different weird monochromatic hats now. Sure, that's the yeah. update. That's the content we all wanted for Mario Strikers Battle League. That was the squeaky wheel that needed the <laughs> grease in Mario Strikers Battle League. I'm happy for folks who who continue to play this game and who continue to enjoy it. That's all I'll say about that. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Ninfrindo said Mario deserves Bowsette. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Nintendo does not does not canonically acknowledge Bowsette, all right? Oh, that's so, amazing. There's a write-in candidate for our poll tomorrow. Oh gosh. <laughs> don't yeah, don't even get us started on that. Uh let's let's talk about this other update though, because this is pretty cool. I wanted to highlight this because um, you know, the the Jupiter Picross games on the Nintendo Switch, the Picross S series. Yeah. Uh, they're now on S8, which is coming next week on the 29th. They announced this week that that is going to be the first game in their new, uh, in their Picross S series that's going to have four player online multiplayer, which is really cool just on its own. But even aside from that, they're actually going back and adding all of the past ones, S1 through 7, retroactively to have this multiplayer. That's crazy to me. If you're a Picross fan, definitely check it out. I mean, these are quality Picross titles. I know Picross is a very niche type of video game audience, but I mean, how does that even work? Just basically the first person to solve it? You know, it's um, I, I'm not exactly sure how how the nuts and bolts of it work, but like the fact that they have it working and are retroactively updating all of the other ones is Seven just other like games. <laughs> That's crazy to me, man. Like, they, and I, I know they're all running functionally on the same engine, so it's probably, yeah. honestly, just as simple as Cut pushing the update through. Yeah, it's, it's probably nothing too crazy, but, um, but, but I mean, look, this, this is the Picross series. This is the standard bearer, really, of the of Picross on the Switch. I mean, we love Pictui. We love, yeah. you know, some of these other Picross games that have been on the system, but, uh, but the Picross S series really is the premier. You know, you can set your watch to it kind of Picross series on the switch. So really but if you cool. want to, if you want to try one out for free and you have the Nintendo switch online, there is a, 
uh, Mario versus Wario pick cross available on the American SNES NSO. So if you want to check yeah. out some some awesome Mario themed pick cross, I mean it's not in English, but you really don't need it in English. It's all it's pick cross. It's it's pick cross. You basically just pick the first menu option and and really get into it so um so let's talk about the, this was kind of crazy actually we finally yeah. have a bead on when we're going to you know we were all kind of wondering you know this this mario movie from illumination is supposed to be coming next spring when are we going to finally hear something about it nintendo we were some people were kind of wanting it in the direct didn't get it. Well, they announced this week in collaboration with New York Comic Con, um, they will be premiering the teaser trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie on October 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they have also secured April 7th, 2023 as the film's release date. So we're finally gonna gonna get our first taste of the Super Mario Brothers movie in just a couple weeks. It's starting to feel real. It's starting to feel like we're actually going to see something. I thought, admittedly, there was a very good chance that it was going to show up as the final announcement, maybe even the OMT, of this past Nintendo Direct that we got last week. I thought there was a very good chance we were going to see some information, especially when Mr. Miyamoto himself decided to grace us with his presence, especially considering how much time he's been spending with his new friends over at Illumination. Uh, but such was not the case. So we were kind of left high and dry wondering, okay, the movie's supposed to come out next spring. We haven't seen hide nor hair. We haven't seen anything from the movie yet. What's going on? Well, we're finally going to get to see it. Teaser trailers in modern filmmaking have become basically full-on trailers for many movies. There are some that just still kind of tease, but for a lot of movies now, teaser trailers are one and a half, two minute long trailers now. But at the very least, we can finally expect to see what this movie's actually going to look like, what the animation style is going to look like, what hopefully at least a few of the characters are going to look like. And maybe even more important than that, what a few of these characters are actually going to sound like. That I think we have to hear the voices. We must hear the voices. That is the number one thing that everybody, they, they have got to be cognizant of that. They know that everybody wants to hear what Chris Pratt sounds like as Mario. Right. And, and like Chris Pratt even tweeted out something like, Hey, like I've seen the trailer. It's amazing. But cause you know, of course, what is he going to say? I've seen yeah. the trailer. It sucks. Like he's not going to say that, you know? So, um, so of course he's hyping it up, but, but I think we, we have to hear, at the very least, what the core cast sounds like. I want to hear, you know, I want to hear Mario. I want to hear Luigi. I want to hear Bowser. I want to hear Peach. You know, at least give us that. I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying I need to see Foreman Spike and Toad and Kamek and whatever in the, in the, uh, in the trailer. But the, the core, you know, that, that core four, let me hear them if nothing else. Yeah. And I don't know. I just really, really hope if there's a huge backlash, uh, if there's a huge backlash like there was with the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie trailer, they haven't really left themselves a lot of time to go back in and retouch things up and fix things. Not to say that they would even care about the backlash. They would probably just move forward at this point with whatever they have in place anyway. But uh, this is a beloved Nintendo property. This is very potentially going to be a very unique visual and auditory take on this IP. 
I, 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 I hope it goes well, but in this situation, there's just a lot. There's so much potential for things to go wrong and so much potential for warranted backlash. Not even people just being mad that it sounds or looks different from the games, but that it's just not a good looking movie, that it just doesn't sound like we feel like a Mario movie should sound, that it just doesn't feel like it's true to the IP. So, you know, maybe queue up your 1993 live action Mario movies just in case is kind of a fallback, people. Hey, I was just about to say, if it's if it's good, we win. If it's bad, we win. Honestly, <laughs> that, that's how I look at it. Like, even if even if the movie's bad, I'm still going to treasure it for just being that weird time that, you know, Illumination made a Mario movie like I. Like I, I'm honestly okay with it either way, and um, look, it's actually coming out just about a month earlier from the 30th anniversary of the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie. At that point, so that's cool. The problem is, is the Nintendo social media accounts and Nintendo's kind of corporate branding machine as a whole—they're not nearly as, I guess. That they don't like to have as much fun with their past failures as, let's say, the Sonic the Hedgehog media team likes to. Right. So, you know, if Sonic, if the Sonic uh, team made an overtly bad movie, if Sonic 3 came out and it was absolute garbage, we could count on the Sonic team to at least make fun of it on their social media. But if, if this movie comes out and it's bad, Nintendo is going to actively try to bury it like they did with the live action movie. Yeah. We'll see what happens, man. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm looking I'm, forward to finally... I'm hoping. I'm really yeah. hoping. I want this to be good. I don't want to be cynical. I want this to be good. Right. I'm coming into it with an open mind, man. Yes. I, I really am. As, as crazy as this all is, I'm just coming into it with an open mind. We'll see what happens. Um, October 6th is when we're getting that first look at 4 p.m. Eastern. Very soon. Uh, we will see. Very, very soon. It's just a couple weeks away. I'm looking forward to it. Um, all right. So th- this final little story we have here is kind of a, another <laughs> weird, like yeah. cross media kind of thing. Um, so we, we saw all the Pokemon 25 stuff that post Malone, you know, performance with Pokemon and whatnot of his like Hootie and the Blowfish cover. Yeah. That was a thing that happened. Y'all remember that? Where well, he was a VTuber on a rock traveling the Pokemon world <laughs> yeah. for five minutes. And they tried to, they tried to present it as a concert. Yeah, well, well, now Ed Sheeran uh, is going to be dropping his new music video, Celestial. Uh, he'll be dropping that on September 29th. It apparently will be done in collaboration with Pokemon. So, For, First, right. an Ed Sheeran Game of Thrones crossover. Now an Ed Sheeran Pokemon crossover. I mean, why not? He did the, um, you know, he did that, uh, the, the credit song in The Hobbit, desolation of smaug or whatever it was actually pretty good i actually like that song it's uh the icy fire song it's pretty good i don't know that song game of thrones lord of the rings those are slightly different ips than pokemon i'll give them the benefit (laughs) of the doubt The, the pokemon the pokemon 25 music stuff was just bonkers enough to be entertaining especially with Katy perry and her electric music video where like pikachu and pichu ran around this pastry fair a while so There's there's a weird part of me that's interested in checking this out. I 
I have no clue what to expect from this, though. I just, I think it's weird considering, like, all the Pokemon 25 stuff, like, it's already done. This yeah. isn't really a part of that. This is something completely different. This is not in conjunction with the Pokemon 25 stuff whatsoever. This is some brand new collaboration, some brand new musical collaboration that Pokemon is doing with Ed Sheeran. For what purpose? I'm not really sure. I mean, are they doing it to hype up their newest animated movie? Do they think they're doing it to hype up Scarlet and Violet? Is Ed Sheeran just doing it because he's like, let me just do all these nerd fantasy collaborations here at the twilight of my career? It's got to be it's got to be the uh the animated movie, I think, cuz I, I think the animated movie's coming out around that time too, isn't it? I so, honestly don't I mean, there's a Pokemon yeah. animated movie coming out every other month at this point anyway, so probably yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I will you know, again, I, I'll say it again. If it's if it's good we win, if it's bad we win. Like I that's that's my stance on this stuff. I'm I'm kind of just okay with all this weird janky, you know, cross media stuff. I just, you know, I'm here for the party, man. Um I guess cool. so too, well, but but let's let's talk some video games though. We've talked yeah. movies, we've talked music. Let's actually talk a little bit of video games because this week for uh, for notable releases, it's it's another pretty stacked week, ladies and gentlemen. Very stacked week, yeah. Uh, we've already talked quite a bit about Shovel Knight Dig and Seth's mm-hmm. new love affair with Shovel Knight Dig. I'll, I'll have to check that out sometime this week. You have any more thoughts on that? You want to lay on us? No, just it's it's really really good, and um and you know I I'm looking forward to playing more of it going into the weekend again as a as an editing companion. I'm going to be playing a whole bunch of Shovel Knight Digs. So, yeah, that came out this week. Yes, obviously, we've already mentioned it a couple times, but Return to Monkey Island came out this yes. past Monday on Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> so, if you've been excited about Return to Monkey Island, it is now out, has been out for uh, about five days now. So, if you were thinking about getting it, you probably already have. And if you have played it, let us know what you think. But Return to Monkey Island is out as well. And then, uh, very quickly, because we're going to be talking about it here in just a few minutes, we will also shout out Beacon Pines. Beacon Pines released this week. And as a matter of fact, Seth, 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 didn't you, didn't you, my friend, just release your first ever video review for Beacon Pines on the YouTube channel this week, sir? Mm -hmm, I sure did. So, so we got really early access to the game. uh, Thanks to hiding spot games, the developers, Um, they, they gave us, I mean, I think we got it like two weeks before the game came out. So Eric and I were both able to play it. Um, and yeah, I, I made my first ever like kind of fully produced, scripted, edited video review for the game. So if you're curious about Beacon Pines, um, it's on Game Pass as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're an Xbox gamer and, and you have Game Pass, you can play it on Game Pass. But um, the game's you know great on Switch. We're featuring an indie showcase this week. Um, and there's a full video review up on the YouTube channel. So check it out. Yes, definitely check it out. But... Uh, even past those three games, there's just, there's so much Seth, so much Seth. Give us a couple more. I'm tired of talking. All right. So, so there's a lot. So Jack move, um, is this like cyberpunk RPG that just got rave reviews? Um, a lot of people just like heaping praise on this thing. Um, looks really cool. I haven't played it yet. Um, there, some people in the discord were talking about, I think shy guy city, 
uh, picked it up and has been playing it. And I'm like, oh, cool, great, another you know RPG to play. <laughs> exactly. I've been hurting for that. Um, so that looks really cool. There's a demo for that too, by the way. If you if you look at it and you think it's interesting, go download the demo. Um, we had Spider Heck came to Switch this week. <laughs> so if nobody's ever seen Spider Heck, <laughs> this is a so nuts. Yeah, this is a PvP multiplayer game um, where you play as a spider with a lightsaber, basically. And it, it kind of it kind of like made the rounds um, on YouTube a couple years ago. I think the Game Grumps played it or something like that, and everybody was talking about Spider Heck. Well, now it's finally on Switch, so that that's a lot of dumb fun. Um, so shout outs to Spider Heck, another very meme-tastic game. Very much so, yeah. Uh, that game Midnight Fight Express came out this week. That's that punch everybody game that we saw at I think an Indie World showcase uh, maybe earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So that that came out. That was that one where you're on a train and you're just punching everybody. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what that game is. Every beat em um, up ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, potion permit. So a couple of things yeah. with potion permit. Potion Permit is a really cool looking uh, kind of farming sim um, sort of style game. You know, you're kind of in that Stardew Valley ballpark. Um, But look, something I wanted to stop and say with this, this is published by P-Cube, who was kind of in the center of controversy. Um, We talked about that on the show, I want to say a month or two ago when that happened. Um, So, you know, maybe if if you don't want to like support a P-Cube published game, I get it. Um, but it's also like you're, you're at that weird crossroads where you want to support the developers, but you don't want to put money in the pockets of a publisher in the heart of controversy. So, you know, I, I get it. But um, but I just wanted to shout that out because I'm the developers, I'm sure, are good people who deserve the support. Um, but, I mean, Seth, you're, you're, you would say you're a fairly musically minded person, wouldn't you? I would say that. Yes. Tiger no Tatsujin came out this week. I love Taiko no Tatsujin, man. That's that uh, that drumming, that that kind of uh, you know Japanese Taito drum, Japanese Taito drum rhythm yeah. game. I I don't feel like I just don't feel like I can play these games without like an actual Taito drum peripheral. Yeah, yeah. You and they sell them, but they're hard to come by, um, and they're kind of expensive too. But I want the actual. Yeah, I want the drum. You know, <laughs> I like. I playing still have. The, I've got to get them. I actually still have my parents still have the pictures of me as a youth living in Japan when I was part of that Taito drum troupe. So yeah. I've, I've got to scan a couple of those. And, I've and seen show it. You, you, you sent me one of them. You, yeah. you sent me one of them. I saw, I remember you sending me that picture. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe get your hands on that. Put that in the discord. People be uh people get a kick out of that. Yes. A long, um, long, long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Young all in Eric lived in Japan as a youth. And I was actually in a, a Taito drum troupe with the headband and everything. I'll tell you one love thing. It. I'll tell you one. The drumsticks that they use for those Taito drums, like those are murder weapons. Those things are <laughs> ridiculously thick. Like thick clubs. Yeah, yeah, those things, like genuinely like clubs. Those things yeah. are ridiculously thick. Like honestly, like seven, eight pounds a piece. Yeah. Yeah. So th- these are super fun games, though. I, I really like them. So that new one just came out. Uh, the Diofield Chronicle came yes. out. I honestly um, don't know too much about this. It's been, I keep seeing it pop up in, in my like social media feeds, but yeah. I, I don't know too much about this one, unfortunately. 
This is, a, I believe, a Square Enix um, strategy RPG. Um, does have a demo, I believe. So maybe check that out if you're hankering for one of those. Not that there are, you know, I know we're really hurting for Square Enix RPGs this year. But uh, maybe maybe one to check out if you want. <laughs> but the, I want to shot this game one shot world machine edition. I feel like I have seen one shot my entire life. Like, I feel like I, I just keep seeing that character, whoever that character is, like the main character of one shot mm-hmm. has a very that like kind of cat character that I keep seeing with the hat and everything. Like, I feel like I've seen this game for like 12 years. <laughs> I've never played it. I've never played one shot. I just, I feel like it's always been a thing. And so anyway, uh, evidently, and there's even some confusion going on in the new indie channel we have over on our discord. Um, so, um, one shot world machine edition apparently is like the definitive edition of one shot now on switch with extra content and whatnot. So, so yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. I have no idea what this game is. I just always see it. Well, if you want to try it out, it's available now on the Nintendo switch is indeed. So those are our notable releases folks. Uh, a lot. This is a pretty stacked week for notable releases because we just can't have a little bit of time to actually play the games that come out. Yeah, you know, why not? We'll just we'll buy them all, but let's not <laughs> yeah. play them. Who needs actual time? Video games only exist to be in a backlog anyway. We all know that. Yeah, we just they they exist to sit on our shelves and on our uh, on our switches, never to actually be played. <laughs> but speaking of that, let us know what you guys think of all the games you have actually played in recent times. Let us know if you guys are going to pick up any of this week's notable releases. And if you do, let us know what you think of them. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Shovel Knight Dig, about uh, Return to Monkey Island, about how overrated Pauline is. You know, just whatever random things in Whoa. the Nintendo world that you just happen to be. What? Well, what? I didn't say nothing. So. Uh, whatever you guys think about the world of Nintendo, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast, on Twitter at All In Podcast. Join the conversation over on Discord. We did a little bit of cleaning up over there. Recently streamlined it a little bit to make it a better experience for everyone. So make sure to check that out, even if it's been a day or two since you've been on the Discord channel. Also make sure to check out youtube.com slash All In Podcast. Again, we just did our first ever video review for Beacon Pod which we'll be talking about here in just a few minutes. But go ahead and check that out. And at least, at least for the next, you know, maybe week or two, you can still check <laughs> yeah. us out on twitch.tv slash Podcast, where we stream. And of course, we do these weekly news breakdowns every Friday night for your viewing pleasure at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to everybody who came in tonight to watch us live. But if for whatever reason, you can't do that. We have another way for you to check us out. It's called All In, a Nintendo podcast, which is, I mean, I guess fair enough. It's a podcast, which you can like, follow, and subscribe to over on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and just all of the places, just every single one of those places. Are podcasts there? Yes, then we are too. So go ahead and check us out wherever you get your podcasts from. And... If you think we're doing a halfway decent job, we like to think we are. We put a lot of work into this show and our brand each and every week. And if you think we're doing a halfway decent job and you want to like, you know what? These guys deserve for me to throw a couple bones their way. We agree, which is why we think you should become a patron. 
Yeah, we love bones. Throw those bones our way yes. over at patreon.com slash all in podcast. We have got <laughs> Eric just got hit in the head with the bone. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay though. You, you look, Eric's head can take it. We, we we throw them all our way. We'll take them um, over on patreon.com slash all in podcast where we've got three tiers, tons of perks and rewards, exclusive podcasts, uh, the $2 hero cast where every week you guys are my co-hosts. You can submit questions and topics for me to cover. Um, and then all in side quests, which Eric and I do every week covering non-tendo topics. Um, but there's more stuff than even that. There's early access to video essays. Uh, there's patron shout outs. All kinds of stuff going on over there. Uh, if you want to support what we're doing, it is super, super appreciated. All those bones you can throw at us. But if you don't have any bones to throw, then friendo in the chat here says Cubone Attack. That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you if you don't have the bones to throw and give us a Cubone Attack, you know what you can do, Eric? I don't know. I, you might have to take this. Cubone is like a bone meringue. <laughs> Just tish, tish. Eric, yeah, Eric's been Eric's confused. He has the confused uh, <laughs> exactly. status ailment. Yeah. <laughs> Birds around <laughs> he my head. Yeah, he hurt himself in confusion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but of course, you can drop some words, as Presto the Magnificent so eloquently put it um, uh, earlier. And if you do, just as we did with Presto the Magnificent's review, we'll shout you out. You can drop those words over on Apple Podcasts, on Podchaser, and on Audible. Uh, and then if you uh, head over to Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. And we super appreciate it. Very free, very easy easy way to support the show. We appreciate you very much. Yeah. However you guys choose to support us genuinely. Thank you. If you have some bones that you can throw away and become a patron, thank you all so much. If you just want to take some time to review the show on your preferred platform, thank you very much. If you just hang out with a couple of Nintendo dorks every weekend to listen to us, talk about the world of the big end for a couple hours. If that's all you do still. Thank you. However you consume our content, we just want to say we really, really appreciate you guys. Namaste. Namaste indeed, my friend. Kind of an insane week for notable releases, to be honest, uh, between everything we just shouted out a second ago. But there is one that we are uniquely excited for because we got... Uh, very graciously, extremely early access to the game from developer Hiding Spot Games, Beacon Pines. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is actually one, even irrespective of us getting early access to it, this is one we've had our eye on for some time. Yeah. Something about the weird Twin Peaks meets Winnie the Pooh vibe I found incredibly interesting from the very first time I saw the trailer and lo and behold the developers again very graciously gave us access, very early access to check this out well before its release. But we can talk about it now, Seth. Yay, we can finally talk about it. We really we we wanted to again since we had this opportunity, we really wanted to blow out Beacon Pines. I mean, this was, you know, a game that, again, we've been looking forward to. Uh, So there's a video review that went live on the YouTube channel. The first 30 minutes of raw gameplay, so you can see for yourself what it's like on the Nintendo Switch. And now here, we're giving it its full proper indie showcase on the show right now. So Beacon Pines, yeah, you just heard me refer to it as a Twin Peaks, Winnie the Pooh type of hybrid. And I really do think that that might be the best way to kind of summarize 
the game. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about the game 80 Days, and we likened it to uh, one of those old choose-your-own-adventure style books. I really think we should have saved that comparison for this game because, I mean, that's basically what this is. This is a choose-your-own-adventure style book in video game form, in essentially the most purest sense. It is a... It's a choose your own adventure. It's a write your own adventure. It's uh, a, <laughs> it's it's interesting because this game, and and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of how it works, but the the game kind of also has a little bit of that choose your own adventure book flair of like, oh, I didn't like how that turned out. Let me go back. <laughs> you know how we all absolutely did. Kept your hand on the previous page. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Let ye who has not immediately gone back to their previous choice cast the first stone. Yeah, but I'm, but I mean that is what this is. So Beacon Pines takes place in a storybook. I mean the first thing you see when you boot this game up is this book, um, and you're greeted uh, greeted by a narrator, the uh, I guess author of the book that she refers to it as her book, right? Yeah. And um, the and the, the credits referred to as the storyteller. Right, this the storyteller, and she um, kind of introduces you to this world, its characters, um, and I, I, I really maybe that is just like something we should say right off. Rip is the narrator. I think is such a big part of this yeah. game. Like, uh, so so the actress's name is Kirsten Mize, and I even in my video yeah. review made a point to shout her out specifically because I think her performance in this really sells the entire experience. Like. Yeah. It, she it carries a lot of the game. Yeah. I mean, if like, because, you know, these characters aren't voice acted or anything. So she's reading the book to you. Essentially, she is voicing, you know, your way through this entire thing. She's your companion as well. Like she's kind of talking directly to you as you're playing it, because I mean, you are not only the reader of the book, but you're also kind of playing as the protagonist, this young boy named Luca Van Horn. But also kind of as like the disembodied reader of the book, almost like if you've ever seen the the never ending story. Yeah. You, you know, you also, you know, you're basically both Atreyu and Sebastian at the same right. time. Yep. That's, that's a great comparison. Yep. So uh, the, the, the game works in a really unique function because the storyteller refers to you as the player several times, you are the one kind of controlling where the story ultimately goes. And there are a couple ways that you can do that. Uh, but I mean, in terms of the narrative, the characters all live in this little town, a uh, very appropriately called beacon pines. And you kind of the, the main focus is, like you said, around this character named Luca, Luca's best friend Rolo, and this new young girl that's moved to town called Beck. They're kind of the main trio of characters. Those are the young characters that you see in the thumbnail yeah. for the game. But there is some strangeness afoot in Beacon Pines that you will come to uncover fairly uh, in fairly quick order. And the entire rest of the narrative is basically just you trying to figure out why and how everything has gone completely bonkers. Yeah, there, there is, 
you know, sort of an inciting incident that happens. And, and, you know, one of the first things that the narrator tells you as you get into it is Beacon Pines is a story about change. And this, this is factored into many things in the gameplay and in the story. I mean, this is a town on the brink of change. You see this in a lot of fiction like this kind of, you know, big, bad, evil corporation is coming into the small town to kind of change things. And, you know, you got the kind of scummy suit and ties in town and, you don't really know who you can trust and things like that. This perennial harvest corporation and you, you don't really know what they're doing to encroach on your town or why. Meanwhile, there's all this like kind of deep rooted history of the town, the Valentine company and um, like what's going on with them. Your best friend Rolo says he thinks he saw the old abandoned Valentine warehouse glowing at night. So there's there's a lot of like little tiny mystery to this game and like there's a central mystery kind of at its heart um that that is up to you to figure out and that's sort of the the plight of the of the narrator of the storyteller she's like you know this this story has gotten ending and I need your help to find it yeah because it really starts to feel like nobody that you interact with is who they seem you really start to feel like you really can't trust anybody and anybody you run into could ultimately lead to a bunch of bad juju happening it it the story just goes places we're going to try to remain as spoiler free as possible but the story absolutely goes places and not really all of them are kid friendly that's the thing here because the game is presented One of the reasons we compare it to Winnie the Pooh is this very kind of child-friendly veneer that the entire game is wrapped up in. The entire game is presented as a storybook. Even the explorable world that you go through is presented like storybook drawings. On the face, it all looks very friendly and very inviting, but you you dig beneath the surface a little bit, and there's some things that I wouldn't necessarily appreciate my young niece or nephew seeing without some supervision. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I mean, there there's some fairly dark subject matter here, you know, and the and these are kids in peril. I think I think that is what you know this this game really taps into it with the measure of maybe not quite as like gory as something like a stranger thing there's no gore in the game right no. but but you know there there are some dangerous scary situations that these kids find themselves in these kids are in in mortal peril at several points during the game and you know there's mild swearing even you know so so be mindful of that if you're planning on playing this game around your kids cuz you know, the, the, the game does have a very child-friendly aesthetic. It does look like a storybook. It has that kind of painterly art style. All of the kind of um, scenes of the game are kind of like shrouded with these clouds and everything. So, I mean, it looks like how those old Winnie the Pooh books looked, you know? Yeah, which I love about that. I love the art Me too. in this game. I love how Luca and I love how all the characters uh, are portrayed because very crucially, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Life is Strange also in this way, especially Life is Strange True Colors, because this is, you know, some big Midwest town off somewhere in the woods, in the mountains somewhere, and minus the fact that these are all anthropomorphic little animals. That's something we should probably mention. Yeah. Despite the fact that these are all anthropomorphic little animals, you very much get the sense of, you know, you get the sense of this quiet town, the sinister uh, underbelly notwithstanding, but you get the sense of this nice wooded in 
quiet town where everybody knows everybody else's name. You'll actually become familiar with a lot of the different characters, a lot of the different NPCs. You have Joff, the weird hobo who's running around all over the place. Uh, you've got uh, Mr. Kerr, uh, the the weird kind of one running the perennial harvest who just yeah. came in. You've got uh, the mayor who just really looks like he doesn't want the job. <laughs> He's a total you've pushover. Got, yeah. Yeah. But you've got all these interesting little characters who all wind up kind of playing into the story in interesting ways. Yeah. And and like you said, there there's this kind of like underpinning mystery behind them where you're like, you're not quite sure who you can trust and who you can't. It definitely has a, a small town vibe as well. Something I really like about this game is that, you know, the moment to moment gameplay is is very gameplay light, you know, which is not going to be like that that's not going to land with everybody like full disclosure like if you're if you're somebody who needs to be you know doing something action packed or whatever at any given time that's not what this game is like this is yeah. a narrative forward game um but but I do like how familiar you get with Beacon Pines itself how you kind of know your like I know my way to get to the treehouse. I know where the diner is. I know where you know Nuncreed's drugstore is and stuff like that. Yep. And and you do get to know the characters. And it does feel like Twin Peaks in that way, you know. And I, I do appreciate that about the game. But yeah, if you're if you're looking for something that's like uh you know uh, a thrill a minute in terms of gameplay, that that's <laughs> not what Beacon Pines is. No. However, if you are somebody who does like Life is Strange, if you're somebody who likes uh, the Telltale games, then mm -hmm. this is a game that you'll probably really enjoy. If you don't get into those types of games, I don't know if I would recommend Beacon Pines to you. However, again, if you are fans of those franchises and those studios, then you'll probably really, really like what Beacon Pines is throwing down. It is gameplay light, but that is not to say there is no gameplay whatsoever. And I think we have kind of teetered around the narrative enough. We can't talk about what you can do gameplay wise in the title. The, the gameplay kind of revolves around what are called these turning points. Mm -hmm. Just like in those other franchises I mentioned, you are sometimes offered very important choices. And you have the option of choosing one thing or another. The weird thing with this game, though, is you actually have to unlock those choices. You have to unlock the ability to choose certain things, and you do that through what the game calls charms. Depending on, you know, different choices you make, you can wind up unlocking these so-called charms. And the charms are essentially, uh, some of them are actually not safe for work, ironically enough, <laughs> but you can unlock one for chill, for fight, for uh, slap, for junk, for putrid for uh, or pungent you can unlock stuff for a lot of those different types of things depending on what choices you make but a lot of them can actually be unlocked by exploring the town in between these choices you'll wind up having to you know go on a couple small little fetch quests and you'll wind up having to go on a couple small little missions but a lot of the time you have fairly free reign to explore the town and explore the people and depending on what the current circumstances are of the town some things will be different and you'll have the ability to inter uh, interact with different items or different npcs and you'll have to explore the town as much as possible because a lot of these charms 
can be hidden in different places. A lot of them you'll come across as part of the main story of the game, but some of the charms in the game can only be unlocked if you happen to interact with, like, say, a specific plant or a specific character during a specific chapter of the game. Yeah, and, and a lot of them are, are optional, and a lot of them, yeah, are totally off the beaten path. There's one, for example, like, you can examine this, like, satellite dish that's attached to Rolo and Luca's treehouse, and Luca kind of pulls oh, on no, it. No, 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 no. Mission control. Sorry, sorry. Mission control. And uh, <laughs> Luca kind of pulls on it and you unlock the pull charm, you know, and these are used in these turning points. Think of it basically as like narrative Mad Libs, really, um, where you're given this like, you know, turning point and this sentence that has got a word missing from it that is interchangeable with one of your charms. And that will... Um, that will basically create a new branch of this chronicle that that will be a turning point in the story. The very first turning point that the game uses as an example has no real bearing on the plot, but but really from then on, each of the other turning points lead into another facet of story. Yeah, so ultimately, there are several timelines that you can unlock throughout the course of this game that by the end get pretty wildly different because you know, in addition to being able to unlock these charms to give yourself more choices during these Mad Lib style turning points, unlike games like Life is Strange and the the Telltale series, one of the big <laughs> the one of the big ways that you actually progress through the game is by traveling back to turning points to these nexus points once you've unlocked more choices. And then choosing those new choices and creating a new split timeline so that you can create a new story, potentially find more charms, potentially opening up even more branches and more timelines. Yeah. And and one thing we should say, too, which I, I feel like um, the game doesn't do a super good job of like kind of setting the expectation properly for um doesn't really set the expectation properly. I feel like for the player, cause you might come into this thinking, Oh my God, like this game is going to go a million different places and there's just going to be infinite possibility and branches upon branches. Like this is ultimately a linear story. Ultimately, which, which I know sounds weird. Um, but what it is, it's not a game that challenges you necessarily to come up with your own path through the story. It is a story essentially told through the mechanism of right. being able to go back and and change up your choices. The whole thing of unlocking new charms, unlocking new choices at these nexus points is in service of a greater story being told. Yeah, solving the mystery and like figuring out what's at the center and getting to the sort of true conclusion of the story is is like the is the solution of the puzzle box. Like it's not about you know carving your own way. We're not talking about a Fallout or like an Elder Scrolls kind of thing here, where you're like really making your own story and having all these emergent you know diverging paths or whatever. It's not about that. It's about going down these branches and seeing these different outcomes to then progress and kind of chip away at the mystery at the heart of it all. Yeah. It's not about finding your ending necessarily. There is an ending. The storyteller 
wants to find and you're helping the storyteller find that ending specifically by going down these different branches, these different paths. So while the game does on the surface kind of offer up these incredibly varied choices and these incredibly varied timelines, you're essentially going to be jumping back and forth between the timelines uh, trying to, you know, go down new paths, new branches when they become available, looking for that quote unquote one true ending. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that like, as long as your, as long as your expectations are in check with that, I like personally, I loved the approach. Like I, I found it really interesting to go down this stuff. And, and honestly, I'm glad that I, I think another really good side effect of this is you're not missing anything. Like when you, when you get to the end, you have seen the way that these different outcomes happen because you will have had to, in order to get what you need to get to the actual solution of this mystery, to get to the conclusion of the story. So I like that we got to see all these different outcomes and they, they weren't necessarily optional. And I found that really kind of fascinating. And and that to me is like part of what what makes the pacing of this game so good. I mean, this is like a five to seven hour game. It's mm-hmm. not super long, but I mean, like I, I beat it in two sittings because like I didn't want to put it down. Like I just kept, <laughs> you know, like it, it was just really gripping. I, I found that gameplay loop of kind of like going back through the Chronicle, you know, uncovering the next piece. Okay, this timeline isn't what I wanted. Let me back out. And, you know, I, I really liked that that loop a lot, but but do come in kind of knowing what you're getting into. Yeah, you'll, you'll wind up coming to a dead end uh, in some cases, literally, mm-hmm. you'll wind up coming to a dead end in the story about a dozen times or so. And then the game will prompt you to go back to a recent choice and be like, oh, okay, that's right. I unlocked this charm. So now I can play through this branch. Uh, I would always, I would definitely recommend playing through to the end of every branch before going back. I wouldn't recommend just jumping back and forth willy nilly. Uh, One of the things that gets kind of interesting is trying to keep the different timelines in check because you'll be playing through one story where a bunch of stuff happens. And then in order to quote unquote progress the main story, you'll wind up having to go back to an earlier branch, to an earlier choice, choosing something different with a new charm. But everything that happened in that timeline is completely different. People will be talking about stuff like, did you do this? And I'm like, okay, what, what happened in this timeline again? (laughs) <laughs> and you have to kind of reorient yourself. I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Rolo, yeah, got it. I remember yeah. now. I, I think they do a pretty good job of that. And I think they do a fairly good job of like laying that all out um, you know, pretty cleanly on the chronicle. They're basically just these little nodes on this tree yeah. that you just kind of like go through. It's it's really it's pretty cleanly laid out. And I think another thing that really helps the pacing of this game is there are basically no load screens. There's an initial load. And then once you're in, you're in, um, the kind of like loading between like screens, I guess, between different areas and sections of beacon pines is basically immediate. Um, there are, of course, it is a story. So there are chapters, there are chapter breaks and there'll be little breaks in narration and things like that. But in terms of like, you, you never get fully pulled out of the experience, So I think that's another thing that really like if there had been even like a five to 10 second load between screens, that would have totally broke it. 
you know, that would have totally broke your immersion. But because everything is so snappy and so immediate, you just feel very connected to this world. And the writing itself, I think, is really, really strong. A lot of the characters uh, are very believable in their endearing qualities and in their sliminess. Even some of the, the characters that don't really play too big of a part in the game, like specifically there's one character who you meet who's actually reading a book on the park bench. Miss Hatch. Yes. Yeah, Miss Hatch, yeah. Who is a very thinly veiled foreshadowing device. (laughs) Uh, Very thinly veiled. Oh, yeah. But but even characters like that I found to be, like, super heartwarming. You have the, the... character who runs the the newsstand you've got dawn the mm-hmm. bat reporter so there's there's a lot of really fun characters everything it's like oh dawn you know you see them out and about running around it's like oh what's going on yeah you, you just i don't know man you just get this like connection to to these characters in this little town you know and like there are even tangential characters that that you don't think are gonna kind of get their day and they do like there's there's a few instances in this game again not to spoil anything but like there there are a few moments of either just like you know character moments or moments of comedy there's a really great moment with this rhino character uh, i think her name's tish or trish tish yeah and too. yeah she she is so great and like they i just i just love that's a really good example of like a small writing choice getting a lot of mileage out of a small writing choice and then like flipping it on its ear later it's really really good and um they just yeah the writing in this game is is excellent and the mystery is really well told like that's another thing like there are going to be twists and turns that you don't like i mean i there are a couple twists in this game that i didn't see coming and i'm somebody that usually can sniff out twists a mile away like there are a few twists in this game that i was like oh wow like i i'm surprised at where they went like this this game didn't go exactly where i thought it was going to yeah uh (laughs) yeah just going back to stuff happens in this Mm -hmm. game stuff Mm -hmm. happens in this game not all of it nice and not all of it i'll be honest there's a couple things in the game that happen that i'm still trying to wrap my head around a little Mm. bit uh a a couple things that i don't know if they work a hundred percent well but you you guys are definitely gonna have to find out for yourself and big credit to whoever was on the piano for this game (laughs) yeah the the music is is pretty good It, it, it isn't like earwormy but it's very atmospheric um, Matt Myers, the name of the composer, and I I really like the the music overall. Yeah, the the piano is is prevalent, but there's a lot of acoustic guitar. There's even a really great scene that involves an electric guitar, and like there's there's a lot of kind of like spooky ambience. The big moments feel big, the small moments feel small, and um, I I think it's a very like effective soundtrack. I actually like. This is a situation where I like how the soundtrack works in the game more than I like it separately. Because listening to the soundtrack separately, I'm like, it's it's good. Like I like I like it a lot, but but in the context of the game, I think it absolutely works. Yeah, and I will say I've never been as creeped out by a clipboard. <laughs> yeah, or even the word clipboard. You know, even just the you know there there are definitely a few things in here that uh that that you won't expect going in. You you will you will leave Beacon Pines with a with a different idea than you had going in, that's for sure. 
but that's not to say that we think the game is 100% perfect. I did personally have a couple things that if they do wind up creating a follow-up, uh, I would I would definitely like to see added or changed. There wind up, in my opinion, there winds up being way more charms than are needed. Yeah, they they have this kind of like a uh, fishing mini game, and uh, the, basically the, a lot of the charms just tie into like mini games. That's really about it. Yeah, there's a lot that really only wind up being used once. I would have really liked to have seen them double down on some of these and have them impact the actual game more. Mm-hmm. And while you'll still get like five to seven hours out of this game, I it just really feels like they could have really leaned in to this whole turning point thing. I get that they had a story, they a specific story they wanted to tell with, you know, in, in a very memento, in a very Christopher Nolan memento kind of way, you're jumping between timelines and they did it how they needed to do in order in service of the greater story. But with this mechanic of, this turning point and these charms and being able to create these branching timelines, I do think there was room to really lean into it and, and really open it up quite a bit. I, I know it wouldn't be easy, but especially after playing through, especially after talking about 80 days recently and the ridiculous number of permutations in that game, I would really like to see, I'd really like to see this idea expanded upon so much more. Like I said, I know that would be a lot of work, but I don't know, just the amount of permutations and the amount of stuff in this game did ultimately feel a little safe to me. It didn't feel like they that they went as far as they could have with it. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was in service of the story. I felt that way at first. Like I and 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 that was a big reason why I wanted to like set the expectations for y'all early on is like, yeah, that that's not what this game is. And I think that you can kind of come into this game thinking it's going to be what it is and you might be let down. I kind of was initially, I was kind of there with you, but, but yeah, it it is ultimately in service of the story. And if they do wind up making a sequel with a higher budget, because another thing we should say, like this is a, basically a three person team for the most part, uh, which is, you know, hiding spot games, very, very small uh, with like a Kickstarter budget. You know what I mean? This is not like some triple A experience. This is not, you know, this this doesn't have the million lines of dialogue that 80 days has. So, you know, no. I, I do get it. But if they if they wind up, you know, getting like a publisher and they end up making a sequel and everything, it, it'd be cool to see them go even further with it. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, what it, what it boils down to is I just wanted more, which, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to fault the game for making me want more out of it. It's a good problem to have for sure. It's uh, yeah. And it, and it, again, it's just ultimately, I think at the heart of it, a really good story. And, um, and, and I think that people, if you're fans of this genre, if you like, you know, games like night in the woods, if you like things like stranger things or twin peaks, yeah. you know, like you're, you're going to find a lot to like in this story and the vibes of it, you know, we're, we're getting into the end of September. Spooky month is just around the corner. So it's a great, yes. great for that, you know. But like we said, we've been waiting on this one for a while now. And we're super glad we finally got the opportunity to play it. Thank you once again to Hide and Spot Games for, uh, again, full disclosure, uh, providing us with a review copy for the game. 
But as always, we wouldn't recommend you guys a game if we didn't thoroughly enjoy it ourselves, which we did. Beacon Pines, congratulations on the release, guys. Beacon Pines available now on the Nintendo Switch eShop. If you check it out, let us know what you think. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter. Join the conversation over on Discord. Let's talk about some of the wackier things that happened in that game in try to figure out what you took away <laughs> from some of those moments. would love to talk about some of the crazier things that happened in Beacon Pines with our community. But you know what? You know what Beacon Pines really needed, Seth? What's that? A pirate. <laughs> A pirate. Yard. Yes. It is missing. It is pirateless, as it yeah. turns out. I don't know. Maybe I just have pirates on the brain this past monday was talk like a pirate day and of course there was another high profile release this week a little game called monkey island you talk about a game i've been waiting on for a long time dude return to monkey island uh man like that that was a day one for me you know i've been so (laughs) hyped for this so glad to finally have it on the nintendo switch and yeah releasing on talk like a pirate day i mean when it came to this week's top five, was there really anything else we could do? There, there absolutely be not nothing we could do this week for the top five, other than counting down the top five pirates in Nintendo history. All right, Eric, the top five pirates in Nintendo history. What are the rules? Well, we were looking at a much more traditional type of pirate in this list obviously we're talking about uh the the return literally the return of monkey island this week and also talk like a pirate day and and and, but there there are a couple pirates out there we we definitely wanted to to discuss one quick elephant in the room in regards to nintendo pirates i get that they're called pirates technically but I mean, honestly, have you ever seen Ridley and Ridley's crew ever do anything really pirate-like? Have you ever really seen them do anything that makes you point at them and go, you know what, that's a pirate thing to do? Yeah, you, you get into a lot of weird like cross-sections there with space pirates and bounty hunters and you know yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, so in the same vein... Uh, is beloved as a classic, and it definitely needs a remaster. Skies of Arcadia also kind of skirts the line on that, but Metroid, a fantastic franchise. Skies of Arcadia, fantastic game. Full credit to both, but we're looking for something a little bit more traditional in our pirates. That's not to say that they can't be young and adorable. Our number five (laughs) is Zack from Zack and Wiki, the quest for... Barbarossa's treasure. <laughs> Underrated Wii classic, man. Especially with all the, the, the Capcom stuff flying around. Not just from Monster Hunter, but, you know, of course, from, from Street Fighter Six. But uh, it's, it's certainly been on our minds recently. You talk about remasters. That's a game that needs a remaster, especially with the motion controls that they do have on the Nintendo Switch. I would love to. I would. I would happily waggle a Joy-Con to see Wiki in bell form, just ringing his little heart out. <laughs> yeah, Zach and Wiki again. A super underrated Wii game by Capcom. Kind of a, kind of a 
I guess you could call it a point and click adventure game a little bit. Not, yeah. I mean, not really. It's 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 an interesting take on it, certainly, uh, making use of all those Wii motion controls. But yeah, Zach as yep. a character. I mean, initially, you, our both of our minds immediately went to this game when we started thinking about this list. But initially, we were like, well, maybe we, you know, give it to Barbaros, who's kind of the, you know, uh, I guess. I, I guess kind of the uh, you you can call him he's the he's villain the of the legendary, story. He's the legendary pi- uh, pirate in the scenario. He is, but honestly, in the grand scope of the game, and like not to completely spoil the entire game, even though I know it's like <laughs> fifteen years old now, um, like that Barbaros's actual presence in the game is not very pronounced. Meanwhile, Zach, the hero of the story, is this aspiring pirate and he kind of goes through his journey you know through the end of the game and by the time you get to the end of the game it's like okay like he's actually in his own right a uh, a pirate worth acknowledging <laughs> although full credit to barbaros nothing short of an electric mouse i think has said their own name in nintendo history in a more <laughs> satisfying way there's just something magnetic about the way barbaros says his own name that i just Barbaros. <laughs> it's a good game. It's a good game and, and designed to be a pirate, you know, kind of adventure from the outset by Capcom. And yeah, I would love to see them either remaster this one or just return to the well on it in some kind of yeah. way. It's a really special game. The, oh, dude. <laughs> Zack and Wiki, the quest for Ruby Hearts treasure. <laughs> for Ruby? Yeah. Make it a crossover thing. That'd be kind of sick. I mean, they're both Capcom, you know, characters, and Ruby Hart hasn't done anything since Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Capcom, I'm available for hire. <laughs> I would love to see that. Well, uh, going into our number four, in terms of, you know, first-party Nintendo representation, you know, Nintendo's had a few, actually, first-party pirates. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the more prolific examples of this, certainly, is Tetra from Wind Waker. Um, Oh, yes. Tetra is this, you know, iconic character. You meet her very early in the game, and, you know, uh, she is a very central character to the game. Trying to (laughs) dance around spoilers a little bit with Tetra, but she... I honestly really like Tetra as a character removed from everything that ends up happening with her. Like, removed from her story arc or whatever. I really like her personality. I really like her sort of spunkiness. Um, almost tomboyishness. I think she's got a great character yeah. design. She has her own crew. She's actually a pirate captain. Uh, she's she's great. I did think for a while that you know I just I misread everything and I thought Tetra was a male for quite a while. Yeah, well that that's I mean that kind of kind of tracks with the uh, the other history Tomboy-ish of this character. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tetra very much fills the chic kind of character slot in Legend mm-hmm. of Zelda Wind Waker. And I mean, if you've ever played Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, it's very much set up as this adventure on the high seas. One of the biggest, most prominent characters in the game is a boat for heaven's sakes. I mean, this is, <laughs> they did everything short of kind of giving Link a peg leg in this adventure. Of course, you were going to wind up with Pirate. I mean, we could have maybe picked Lineback for this, but for mm. us, Tetra was kind of the clear and obvious choice. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, too, Tetra, you know, it, if, if there was ever any doubt that Tetra was an actual pirate 
on a pirate's crew. She's got her little like scimitar kind of kind of thing, but um, <laughs> she actually like the device that she communicates to Link with is called literally the pirate's charm. So I mean, like she is by definition black and white, you know, a pirate. Um, so had had to shout her out. She's a she is a great character in a you know phenomenal game. Hopefully. We get those ports on Switch someday. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Someday. We'll Mayhaps. See. Mayhaps. But going into our number three, another uh, another female pirate captain um, who we don't see nearly enough of, um, a, a character that I would certainly love to see more of, our number three is Captain Syrup. Yes. The matriarch of the black sugar pirates. We don't see enough of her because we don't see enough Wario Land games. She is admittedly the main antagonist to Wario in the Wario Land series. But yeah, we need more Wario Land games so we can have more Captain Syrup. That's exactly how things work. Yeah, I agree. I want, I mean, I want more Wario Land games anyway, but she is. That's fair. I, I love the idea of like, you know, when it came time really to give. Wario an antagonist when it came time to give Wario like somebody to 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 actually be um in opposition with it it honestly makes perfect sense to make that character a pirate <laughs> like I Wario's a very greedy character very money driven throughout all of his adventures so to to have an actual pirate be his antagonist makes perfect sense. Like it's, that's so much better than just trying to make Mario the villain, you know, trying to like kind of flip the script exactly. Um, it, it, I just, I love that. I, I, I think that's such a simple, but brilliant idea. Although to be completely fair, despite the fact that Captain Syrup is a pirate, I mean, Wario is not exactly the squeaky clean Boy Scout of a oh, protagonist no. in this situation. Captain Syrup is introduced into the Mario universe because after losing all of his gold and riches and castle and everything, Wario just decides, yeah, I'm going to take it from Captain Syrup. Yeah. Oh, so, no, it's not. To be, yeah. So <laughs> it to is be deserved. fair, Captain Syrup, yeah, Captain Syrup does have a very understandable beef with Wario. Yeah. And then when you get to Wario Land 2, she straight up raids Wario's castle, which yeah. is uh, which is great. Also I just, fair. <laughs> also fair and deserved. And she's a little more, when it comes to Wario Land, Shake It, which is her most recent appearance, um, she does, she's not really such an antagonistic role anymore. Um, she's, mm -hmm. she's actually kind of, you know, it's kind of the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. Um, yeah. So I... I just really like her as a character. I love her character design, especially her redesign when we got to shake it. So I would just, yeah. I would love to see more of her. Yeah. I really like the shake King. I really like Wario land shake it on the Nintendo Wii, but yeah, captain syrup's got to take our vote, especially from that franchise, but going into our number two, do, 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 Our number two is of course, captain K rule the captain of the Kremlin pirates the main antagonist to donkey kong the family kong uh in that in the donkey kong country uh trilogy from the super nintendo i would very much love to see king k rule come back in a new donkey kong game the ice pirates from tropical freeze were okay the weird totem tiki mask enemies from yeah. Warrior, or from 
<laughs> from Donkey Kong Country Returns were okay, but nothing beats the OG. Nothing beats Donkey Kong's true rival, true nemesis. That's why he's the one in Smash Brothers. King K. Rule. Love K. Rule, man. And Captain K. Rule might be my favorite version of uh, of K. Rule, honestly. like, <laughs> Well, it certainly doesn't hurt that he appears as the version that appears in DKC2. Oh yeah, which is for my money. That's that's my personal favorite Donkey Kong Country game. Um, but but like Captain K. Rule, just that design, the blunderbuss, the oh, big yeah. old hat, you know, <laughs> the cannonballs that he shoots out of it. You know, it's it's just it's just a great take on that character. Maybe the greatest version of one of Nintendo's greatest villains. If you've never played the Donkey Kong Country games. All three of them are currently on the Nintendo Switch, uh, SNES, NSO app. I could not recommend any of them anymore, especially number two. While it's not my personal favorite, it is very popularly the most well-regarded game in the trilogy and, frankly, one of the most well-regarded 2D platformers of all time. Not even just Nintendo platformers, straight up one of the most well-regarded 2D platformers of all time. Uh uh, you know what? It's been so long. I don't even remember what's the real title and what's the Mandela effect. It's uh, Diddy's Conquest or Diddy's Conquest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Genuinely, it's been so long. I can't remember if it's Diddy Kong's Quest or Diddy's Conquest because of the weird Mandela effect going around about the title. But one thing is for certain: K. Rule has always been an S tier character. Long may he reign, Avast and Yar, my captain. Yeah, just Captain K. Rule for it just is the for my money coolest version of him. I mean, he's gone by a lot of different aliases, of course, from you know the standard King K. Rule to Baron K. Yep. Rulenstein. Baron K. Uh, Rulenstein. I actually thought that was a different character. I was like, that's an interesting take, but no, it's just it's still K. Rule. He just likes to play dress up. Yeah, and even in DK sixty four, he's got King Crusher K. Rule. Um, yeah, you know, and, and that's all good and, you know, well and good, but, but yeah, King, you know, Captain K rule, I think is the best version of, of this character. Although there's a lot of players from the first couple months of super smash brothers, ultimates release that would certainly like to have a lot of those stocks back from the blender bus. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But before we get into our number one pick, Eric, do we have some honorable mentions? We know we just talked a lot about Captain Syrup. Our number six is actually a very similar character to that. Although, unlike Captain Syrup, this character is just mean for the sake of being mean. Has no real right to be as angry with the protagonist as they do. They just want to go out and do bad, evil pirate things. But we still love them for it. Risky Boots. We love Risky Boots. The um, sort of... Yeah, it's a similar kind of situation, right? The antagonist... Sometimes, sometimes uneasy alliance to Shantae. I don't even know if it's uneasy, uh, uneasy alliance. She just always knows she's manipulating Shantae. That's all it is. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think her shining moment was in Pirate's Curse. Of course. Well, I guess technically you could say Half Genie Hero, where she appears as a playable, playable. character with all the abilities that Shantae can get in the Pirate's Curse. Because one of the things about Pirate's Curse is... You collect all these pirate items that gives you all these pirate-themed powers, but when Risky Boots becomes playable, 
she already has all those pirate items, so she just uses all of those powers. It it, it was perfect. You just took Shantae from the Pirate's Curse and made her the actual playable character she should have always been all along. Yeah. Yeah, so so she's great, and that's another one. I love her design. Uh, I would, you know, I, I we love the Shantae series, obviously, one of our favorites. Um, there, another one that's kind of like just, you know, another, to shout out another great female pirate captain, um, shout out to Captain Scarlet from Borderlands 2. The, yes. Uh, the <laughs> Captain Scarlet and her Pirate's Booty DLC, um, which was a really good DLC for Borderlands 2. That, that was kind of the, the first proper one. Um, and I really liked it. Borderlands, Borderlands 1 and Borderlands 2 got some legendary DLC packs. Just absolutely amazing. The Zombie Island of Dr. Ned. Of course, Mr. Torg's Coliseum. Explosions? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't talk about Borderlands DLC without talking about bunkers and badasses. But yeah, yeah Captain Scarlet and her booty, was that was a great quest to go on. Oh yeah. I mean, again, can't make the list proper because again, we're, we're kind of skirting the line of space pirate or whatever when it comes to that, because it is borderlands. But, um, but yeah, that, you know, had, had to at least shout it out. You already mentioned skies of Arcadia legends, um, on the GameCube. Definitely wanted to, to shout that one out again, kind of skirting that line. But, uh, I mean, that that is a that is a pirate game. Basically, everybody in that game is a pirate. So, <laughs> shoutouts to that. Uh, one character we definitely wanted to shout out was Gulliver, not uh, Gulliver, course. not Gulliver, Gulliver. Anybody Very who's played, uh, yeah, anybody who's played since the I think one point three update, one point two, one point three update of uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons has been able to occasionally find this wayward pirate asleep on their shore. A slight variation on the normal Gulliver thing, but instead of finding uh, communication parts, instead of finding phone parts in the sand, you actually have to go out and swim around looking for this pirate's lost smartphone. I didn't realize that pirates had embraced technology that much. Good for them for being progressive like that. But yes, if you are able to find Gulliver's smartphone out in the sea surrounding your island, you will get an amazing pirate-themed item in the mail for your very own use the next day. And honestly, the Gulliver pirate items are some of the best items in the game. Yeah, they're, they're some of my favorites too. And and this is a character that was introduced in New Horizons. So um, really cool, like, like really cool and a, and a great way to incentivize you know, actually using the swimming mechanics in the game. So yeah, I love Gulliver. Very, very different from Gulliver. Clearly very different characters yes. and not some sort of yes. uh, offset insanity. Yes. <laughs> so no, no DID going on here. Avert your gaze. Very, very clearly not. And you know what? He actually makes a reference to Captain Syrup. So yes. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> so that kind of comes full circle. Um, also wanted to shout out, of course, you know, Assassin's Creed four is on the Nintendo switch. So, uh, Assassin's Creed four, black flag, the protagonist of which Edward Kenway, um, you know, th- that's one of the, if not the best, like pirate Sims, like when it comes to actually feeling like you're a pirate, Assassin's Creed four, black flag, um, is just a phenomenal game. Like genuinely still one of, if not my favorite Assassin's Creed game. And okay. It actually 
like I think Digital Foundry did a breakdown of this. The Nintendo Switch is one of the best versions of the game. Like it runs really well on Nintendo Switch. The port is actually really well done. So um, definitely shout out to that. Um, Edward Kenway is a really cool character. It's a great game. Great pirate vibes. The sea shanties in that game are just chef's kiss. Like they're so good. <laughs> I, I love that game. <laughs> and yes, we are aware that Sid Meier's Pirates is on Nintendo. We're aware of the Pirates game from the NES. We get it. But, you know, as as fun as those individual games, as fun as you might find those individual games, there's no real, like, famous, iconic characters, at least not enough to make this top five. However, if you enjoy those games, more power to you. As Assassin's Creed 4 proved, it can be a lot of fun to play as just a, a no good, dirty bilge rat of a pirate. And also, yeah, we're also, I should have mentioned this in, in the rules, but I, I honestly thought it went without saying that licensed characters who became famous outside of the world of video games. Oh, sure. People like Jack, people like Jack Sparrow, people like Luffy from One Piece. You know, those we we left those off for obvious reasons, although there are a ton of One Piece and especially Pirates of the Caribbean games available on Nintendo platforms. There's honestly more Pirates of the Caribbean games on Nintendo platforms than there are of many Nintendo franchises. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot of little like caveats, but I I think y'all understand what we're going for here with with this particular list. Um, And honestly, when it came to our number one, um, maybe it's a little on the nose. I get it. Maybe it's a little bit like, hey, you know, the 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 new Monkey Island just came out, you know, and and honestly, I think that a lot of people would think if you're going to do a Monkey Island entry for your number one, you're going to go with Guybrush, with uh, Guybrush Threepwood, the protagonist of the series. And Guybrush is this sort of, you know, he's he's this kind of wannabe pirate a little bit, this kind of, you know, doughy sweetheart guy um, that despite all of his best efforts to be a pirate, never really becomes one, but kind of like, you know, kind of fails upwards a little bit, um, but he's but he's totally <laughs> lovable. You know, that that's literally his entire character is he just keeps failing upwards. <laughs> yeah. So but but when it comes to an actual, you know, list entry, the the best pirate in Nintendo history, we have to give it to his arch nemesis, his lifelong enemy, the 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 grave pirate LeChuck. Um, LeChuck is a legendary character in a legendary franchise. But what is really special about LeChuck is he has taken on every version of piratedom. He's been a human pirate. He's been a ghost pirate, a zombie pirate, a demon pirate. Now in Return to Monkey Island, he is all of those things. He's a ghost, zombie, demon, you know, pirate. And, <laughs> what's and despite really- the fact, despite the fact that all that prior to Return to Monkey Island, there was only one Monkey Island game on Nintendo consoles. Yeah, uh, we had a. We had a good reason for still including LeChuck. Yeah, yeah, because it would have been a little bit weird for us. We we try not to, you know, go too much with recency bias. Like, oh, wait, like it's, you know, it, it literally released on a Nintendo platform this week, so it counts, right? We, we probably, if that were the case, we probably wouldn't have considered it too much. But yes, um, for those who remember the Tales of Monkey Island episodic uh, Telltale series, 
that, you know, a lot of people write that off. That was actually, you know, directed by Dave Grossman, um, you know, and, and a really good series on Wii, like released via WiiWare. That was the original platform for that game was PC and Wii. Um, and in that game, LeChuck literally becomes a pirate god. So, <laughs> I mean, you know. It, when it comes to like objectively counting down the best pirates in Nintendo history, you're talking about a legendary character, legendary franchise with all this history already, but then it has special Nintendo history in which this character became a literal pirate god. <laughs> so, yeah. Why isn't that the final quest in like every game? Yeah. Become a pirate Just become god. Become a pirate god. The, the final episode of Tales of Monkey Island is literally Rise of the Pirate God. And obviously, especially with Return to Monkey Island coming out this past week, uh, the Monkey Island, there's a reason that this game has been hyped up as much as it is because Monkey Island is one of the most storied point-and-click adventure franchises of all time, a franchise that has very much seen kind of a renaissance, a resurgence in recent years and yet lucasfilm's classic series decided that they needed to come in and show the young whippersnappers how it's done i can't wait to play it seth i know you're already knee deep in monkey mm -hmm. island at this point uh but lechuck is just lechuck is objectively one of the best video game antagonists of all time menacing and hilarious in equal measure always entertaining we had to give it to the once and future pirate god. But who are your favorite pirates? Who are, so let me take that again. I apologize. Who be your <laughs> favorite pirates in Nintendo history? I do I do feel like we missed out on uh we we missed out on shouting out Captain Gingerbeard. Uh who <laughs> who's uh one of our one of our uh folks on Twitter who was who was saying like you better be giving me a, a shout out if unless you want to walk the plank. So gotta shout out Captain Gingerbeard. Hey Captain Gingerbeard. Regardless, just understand that we did walk the plank. That's fair. We did it off camera while nobody was looking, but we did an internal investigation and we did indeed walk the plank, so there's no reason to doubt us. But what be your favorite pirates? in Nintendo history. Let us know, you landlubbers. Reach out to us on Facebook, on Twitter, in that uh, do honk in a Discord that you'll <laughs> be talking about, and let us know who your favorite black-hearted bilge rats are. And I went through like 10 different accents there in that two-sentence period. <laughs> That's okay. That's very Monkey Island of you, after all. And, um, you know, we, we could have even maybe in a roundabout way shouted out Shiver Fry and Big Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I was honestly thinking that too. <laughs> uh, no spoilers for Splatoon 3, but Deep Cut have a very interesting relationship and a very interesting role in the newest uh, inking third person shooter from nintendo and we've been playing the mess out of it the splat out of it for the past couple weeks and we are so looking forward to telling you guys all about it but we also brought a friend that's right we brought along a very cheesy counterpart to uh <laughs> accompany us into into the Splatlands. so he's joining us right now for all ends full review discussion of splatoon 3 
Dear listeners, we are very excited to welcome our special guest to the show this week. He's a TikToker, Twitch streamer, and you've probably heard him on the Nintendo PowerCast, but he's joining us today to talk some Splatoon 3, and uh, we couldn't think of anybody else we'd rather chat about this game with. So please welcome to the show right now, Cheesy! Yay! Hey! What's going on, guys? (laughs) What's going on? How are you, Mr. Cheesemeister, Cheesy Cheeserson, sir? That is the full name. Yeah, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, Splatoon 3 is out. It is thriving. It's fun. And uh, that's I mean, that's pretty much it. You know, no matter yeah, is. what directs get <laughs> announced. I got Splatoon, Splatoon 3. 3. Is out, that's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Splatoon 3 is like, <laughs> yep. Dude, Cheesy, you've put so much time into Splatoon 3 already. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy moly, this is a guy that loves him some Splatoon. So I, you know, and that was something that I already knew about you. I already knew that this was like, a, you know, being a fan of yours and listening to you on the podcasts and stuff and, you know, and, and kind of being familiar with you. Like, I, I knew that this series means a lot to you. But for the folks who don't know you yet, tell them a little bit about yourself, Cheesy. Yeah. Hi, I'm Cheesy. Uh, I'm a Nintendo content creator and I talk a lot about Splatoon um <laughs> on tiktok and on twitter and on the podcast i on i stream on twitch um but i i will say like the reason that splatoon means so much to me growing up i wasn't allowed to play any kind of shooter and so mm. uh when this came out in 2015 i was in college um i i feel like I kind of went back to my childhood as if I had found a game that I was allowed to play that was Nintendo wow. and colorful and um, just unique character designs. And uh, it, it's just one of those that has meant so much to me from the beginning all the way back on Wii U, which I didn't even have a Wii U at the time. Uh, and that's the reason why I got a Wii U was for this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, when I saw the trailer, I think it was 2014. It looked like this kind of Nickelodeon Nintendo uh, paintballing game. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) This is cool. And from there, I was hooked. Oh, man. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, your your passion for the series is is uh, clear, and obviously we'll have links to everything cheesy in the episode description, um, so that y'all can check him out, check out the Nintendo Powercast, which he is, I guess, a co-host on at this point. Josh kind of wrangled you, and uh, and has kept kept a hold of you, I suppose. So. He did. Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Do you want a guest <laughs> on an episode?" I was like, "Yeah, I I got time for that," and he's like, "Cool, man. Uh, we do this every Thursday." Um, you're coming back. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. So this is something new on my plate. Yeah, no, I really enjoy it. Um, crawler's great. Um, Josh is great. John Ebo is, you know, he's fine. Um, (laughs) he's all right. He's cool. Knock twice on the mic if they won't let you out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, again, links will be in the episode description to uh to support Cheesy and everything that he does. But Cheesy, we are gathered here today to talk some Splatoon 3, my friend. And um it's actually been a while since we've done a review. I think Live Live may have actually been our last review discussion I here on the show. Eric. So that sounds right. It hasn't been super, super long, but long enough that maybe even longtime fans of all in might be a little rusty on how we do things around these parts. Mm-hmm. So let's detail the ritual for them. So as always, folks, when it comes to an all in review discussion, uh, we don't do numbered scores. 
we just talk about the games. Honestly, we uh, we don't, you know, we, we think the video games are too complicated as an art form, mean too many things to different people to distill them down to just a number, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10, or whatever. We're going to give you our honest thoughts, and uh, we're just going to go from there. We also do like to structure our review discussions in a few different ways. So we uh, typically start with the narrative. We will then go into the presentation. We will talk about the music. And then finally, the most important part of any game, the gameplay. So, um, and this is a special game, man. This is certainly one of the biggest games for Nintendo in 2022. So when it comes to Splatoon 3, and Cheesy, I'd like to start with you as we get into the narrative, you know, knowing how much this means to you, knowing that this is like the uh, the ending of the saga when it comes to the the single player, uh-huh. um, the return of the mammalians. Uh-huh. Um, how do you come away from from the single player, man? What, what are your thoughts about the single player of this one? I mean, I, I really like it. I think it's a, a step up from the past two hero modes. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that maybe I had more fun with uh, Octo Expansion. And I, I say that right. just because it was kind of this new thing that they were doing with the series. And it kind of felt like that worked so well that they wanted to do that with Splatoon 3. And uh, it it works, you know, it's it's a great story mode. Um, I just think that the first one was was just so new and, and fresh that I, I was uh, not expecting all of that. Um, with uh, this being like the end of the saga, um, I'm a big lore guy. And with Splatoon, yes. for people that don't know, I mean, it looks like a fun, colorful, you know, silly squid game. Um, it's actually kind of dark. And I think that's <laughs> another reason why I like it is because it just has these underlying tones um, that you just wouldn't expect. Um, and I think it does a good job wrapping all of that up. Well, for the actual narrative, for the actual story of Splatoon 3, uh, once again... The great Zapfish. So you know what? I don't know how this great Zapfish keeps getting kidnapped. It's the yeah. biggest living thing, <laughs> maybe on the planet. Like, how does it? How do you just just stealth that out of the Splatlands? How does nobody <laughs> right. notice that? Right. But, I, I mean, if that if that's the thing that's that I find, if that's if that's where I draw the line at suspension of disbelief, I guess I should probably exit right now. But. <laughs> uh, but yes, the great Zapfish has once again been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. However, you find out very, very early on that despite initial jump, uh, despite initially jumping to the conclusion, DJ Octavio didn't actually have anything to do with it this time around. And a lot of the Octarians, a lot of the bad guys that you wind up fighting are really fuzzy. And there's just this fuzzy stuff all over the place and you wind up finding this underground dome where a bunch of bad stuff is going on there's a bunch of different environments and there's a bunch of different places you know standard video game world stuff but you wind up having to fight through all of these to get the great zapfish back find out what's going on with this weird hair that's appeared all over the place now this you know in a world where hair has been gone for for thousands of years, presumably, you have to find out why in the world things are all the sudden starting, all of a sudden starting to get fuzzy again. And there's some, there's a, there's a great 
great payoff to that. That's all I'm going to say in that regard. But it is interesting because the lore from the previous two games really kind of sets this up as, I don't know if it's necessarily Earth, but they've dropped a lot of hints in the past that this is some kind of Earth proxy. Oh, it's Earth. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's Earth. Yeah, no, it's it is straight up Earth. I mean, that's the thing is like, uh, and cheese, you can speak to this like this is I mean, it's a post apocalypse. Yeah, really. It is. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is. It is like post apocalyptic Earth to the point where like, I remember um, one one of the cool things that that kind of like before this game is coming out, they like released the map. Like the yeah. map of like the world. Yeah. It's, oh, this is so cool. So yeah. many like I love this cool little hidden details. If if you're a big Splatoon fan, they put the uh, they put all of that in the map, and uh, it's just interesting to see them build this world. And another like thing that I just really love about the series is the team. The team is just so creative, and they mm-hmm. have everything planned out, and even just the smallest things like you go and collect these uh sunken scrolls which will just kind of build the the world it's it's not necessarily added to the story but like for example you learn who made the new test uh facility uh the lobby Mm -hmm. area and it's like i didn't need to know that information but it's cool that they want you to know it one of the things I love so much about the Sunken Scrolls and I've always loved about the Sunken Scrolls, yeah, that's it's optional lore. That's where you get a lot of the really interesting kind of tidbits about it. I know they've kind of, they've gone really overt with the history of the world with the whole upside down Eiffel Tower in the very first image that mm-hmm. we see of the game. So I get that. But a lot of the the more back end, the the much more down low type of stuff. I love the way they set up with the sunken scrolls because it's not just text on screen. They set it up as this really cool like scrapbook style, mm-hmm. you know, like archaeologist journal with documents taped inside and, uh, you know, all kinds of different stuff. It's, it's really, really cool the way they actually present the lore. They present it in a super, super interesting way that just really makes you want to figure out, like, what in the world am I looking at? I need to know all of this. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't even make sense, but it's there, and then maybe it will make sense the more you play, or it just won't, and that's, like, just kind of part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's there for us to all pick apart over the years. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I really love in video games in general as somebody who, you know, people who listen to this show know I'm somebody who grew up on Mario forums writing fan fiction. So <laughs> like I so I I really love lore in video games. This Splatoon reminds me a little bit of Kirby in this way where you know the Kirby franchise has got deep lore mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not front facing whatsoever. But if you want to dig into it, it's there. Um, similarly to how in Forgotten Land earlier uh, earlier this year, no spoilers, but Forgotten Land kind of took some of the lore implications and made them more front-facing for everybody to see. And I feel like Splatoon 3's campaign does a good job of that with Splatoon because there is some stuff, again, no spoilers, but particularly once you kind of get into the finale of the campaign here um there's some really heavy like lore implications and things that happen in that finale that i was really kind of taken aback by i was like wow like 
this is so much further than they went with Splatoon one and two's campaign. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is such a grander scale. This is the the implications here is so much larger and in your face than they ever were before, and I, I really like that about it. And one of my favorite things about Splatoon three is, of course, you've got the new team. We had the Squid Sisters in Splatoon one. We had Off the Hook in Splatoon two, and of course, we have Deep Cut. We have fun. If you look at the internet, if you look at Twitter, it's functionally Big Man and the other two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you have deep cut in this game and I, I do appreciate the way they incorporated deep cut into this game. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not just, you know, kind of the cookie cutter. Oh, we happen to be your guides for this game. They incorporated the new team into the game and I feel a much more interesting way that I really, really liked, um, and which set up some amazing, amazing things. Man, there's, there's one like, yeah. thing that I really want to talk yeah. about but I, I know, can't. Like, I know. Oh, that was the best it was the I best know. and this I mean it doesn't help the audio listeners who haven't played because we're just talking about something that's so cool but they don't know what it is and yeah it yeah it's good it's good it's good it it's is. good it really there, there's is. some really good stuff and, and something that I feel like Splatoon 3 or uh, Splatoon campaigns have always been really good at and even even more so in 3 is um, the Splatoon campaigns have always had really good boss fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like Splatoon 3's campaign has got some series best yeah. boss fights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really strong. Yeah. I kind of wish that there were more, but I, I understand why there's not. Right. Yeah. And I do wonder how much that'll be recontextualized once we end up getting the DLC, the forthcoming, mm-hmm. the, like mm-hmm. this game's Octo expansion or whatever, which I mean... Maybe maybe you would know more about this than me, Cheesy, but I get the sense, especially when they first announced it and I see the silhouette there, it looks like it's going to be Pearl and Marina oh, yeah. themed, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's going to be called like World Tour or something because it, it right. says that they're on tour and they're with a new band. And um, so, yeah, I don't know what that story is going to be about, but I do think that whenever that DLC drops, it is going to be harder than the uh hero mode that we just played in splatoon 3 and that's kind of how it was with splatoon 2 octo expansion it's pretty tough yeah Um, right and i i think that the hero mode for this game people were saying it it's kind of more of the same of what we've had in the past which i mean i don't necessarily agree with that I, i get what they're saying i do think that there's like enough new in this hero mode that makes it kind of stand out on its own But uh, this is Nintendo's way of easing uh, people into what to expect with Splatoon. And now that you kind of understand the mechanics of how to swim, how to shoot, uh, how to do these new uh, squid roll and squid surge, uh, the DLC will be more challenging. Yeah, I do think that they... Like they saw the success and they saw the reception of the Octo expansion. And I do feel that the story mode, the hero mode in this game, they it feels like the Octo expansion flavoring was kind of peppered in here. Mm-hmm. They kind of seasoned it a little bit. It still feels very much like the story mode from the first two Splatoon games. But you can definitely tell the influence the Octo expansion had on the single player content coming into this game. Especially with uh, each level being like a challenge, you know, you, there's only certain weapons right. that you can use for each challenge. 
um, which is what they did in Octo expansion. And I, I yep. really like that. I mean, it gets people to try a different variety of weapons and figure out maybe which one they like before they go into the multiplayer. Yeah, I really like that too. They, they kind of, the way it's structured is you go into these kind of little hub areas and it, you know, the, the, the sections of that hub are kind of gated because you need to get the power eggs, take small fry, which small fry is great, by the small way. Fry oh, is yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I was a, little, I, I was a uh, little bit of a, I was small fry denier coming into this game, but the story <laughs> mode made me appreciate both small fry and deep cut quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I kind of yeah. wish that we got a little more story on small fry. I know. Um, sure. Because I, mean, I feel I mean, like there's still some unanswered questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially considering the, uh, let's yeah. just say that there is a good payoff moment oh, yeah. with small fry uh, towards the end of the campaign. But that's, that's all I'll say about that. But I, I did like how, you know, the, the areas of the hub were gated. If I'm being honest, um, and, and I'm curious how y'all feel about this. I, I like the hubs. Like I like them. It's good. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being honest, I kind of, I kind of did appreciate how streamlined Octo Expansion was. I, I understand why they didn't do it here, but I kind of liked how Octo Expansion was on this like subway grid mm-hmm. and it was just very like boom, 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 like very snappy. Um, this one has got like these little hub areas to explore and they are well designed and I do like it, but I did find myself at a certain point. I'm like, okay, like, you know, having to navigate to all the kettles and things to get to the different missions. Sometimes, you know, especially when you're going for hundred percent, you're trying to full clear, fully survey all of the areas and stuff. Sometimes it can be a little annoying for me, but I'm curious how y'all felt about the kind of like open hub structure. I do really like the, I do really like it, but there is something really, it's basically Mario Galaxy versus Mario Galaxy 2. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In Mario Galaxy, you had, you know, much more hub zone style world, and you had to individually navigate to the different galaxies. And I, I, I really like that because it felt more like world building to me. Whereas Mario Galaxy two, the much more streamlined level to level thing, it felt a little bit too much like a video game to me and not necessarily like an adventure. Whereas with the Octo expansion, I did feel that was handled a bit better, but you did lose like the whole reason they use the hub worlds in this game is to give you areas to explore a little bit because there, there is a lot of hidden stuff in mm-hmm. these hub worlds. And there are a couple, I don't want to say necessarily like little mini games, but they've got balloons that, you know, you can kind of go after and they give you something to do outside of the levels themselves. So I understand why they did it, but I, I definitely, you know, I'm six of one half a dozen to the other. If you had, if I had to choose between one of them, I don't know if I could. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand where uh, Seth is coming from. For me, I, I like to do everything in order. And uh, mm-hmm. when you're looking for these kettles, you're like, okay, this is number one. And then you go find a different one and you're like, oh, this is number four. Where's number two? And it doesn't really right. tell you, which I like, it's fine. Like it does kind of open up that world. And um, what, uh, like I agree with Eric because uh, small fry for whatever reason, that little uh, scamp <laughs> won't, uh, <laughs> he, he won't stay in the backpack. Like he is always jumping out of the backpack and either finding you some new item 
Or what I found really interesting is that he would like go off and do his own thing and kind of show you what you should be looking at. Not that it has anything right. to do with gameplay or that it, that it's interactive, but it tells the story just by small fry going up to some of these um, items and, and statues and stuff that are in the, the hero mode and kind of just wants you to see what he is seeing. And uh, as the player, it gets you questioning about, okay, what is going on here? Yeah, I, I do like that. And I, and I like Small Fry's integration overall. Like, I like how you have to, because the, the areas are kind of gated. You have to get a certain amount of power eggs to then power up Small Fry, mm-hmm. have him take down the fuzzy ooze that is covering the maps and whatnot. Which is so, so satisfying you know, when you get rid of it. Very. Yeah, the, yeah the totally. stomach on that dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could put away food like Small Fry does, man, but uh, for sure. But it, yeah, it, it, you know, and I think it's overall like a satisfying campaign. Um, I got to say, too, like no spoilers or whatever, but I found myself getting kind of emotional by the end of it. Like I was kind of surprised at how effective, very, very simply, like by the end of it, they, they just, you know, Splatoon is not like a tug at your heartstrings kind of campaign or whatever, but. When the credits started to roll on the campaign, I was like, wow, like I'm actually a little, I'm having an emotional response to this in a way that I guess I didn't expect. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, For me, um, I think (laughs) I kind of built up this theory before Splatoon 3 even came out and like what it was going to be (laughs) about and like who uh, certain characters might be and and all of that. And then it didn't play out the way I wanted it to. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was upset by that. It just kind of took me back because the whole game, I was like, oh, I got that right. I got this right. And then like uh, the towards the end, um, it just wasn't what I had predicted. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. OK. And then um, kind of had to like sit with that a little bit. But it is a really good ending. It's a good game. It's a good story. Um, and, and one of the things that I really like, I mean, there's so many things I like about Splatoon, but the, (laughs) the developers have said that Splatoon is a reflection on our reality. And I think that is so cool and so scary at the same time. Yeah. And for those that haven't played Splatoon or like the hero mode, um, and you think maybe it's not for you, I guarantee there's something in it for you because it's a, it's a platformer. Uh, there's some speed runs, there's um, some stealth oh, yeah. missions, you know, like there's a little bit of everything for uh, anyone to try. And there is some challenge. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, anybody who thinks this this single player is too easy is not played after Alterna. Oh. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. What, what's, what's your time? What's your time? No, I, I haven't even beat it yet. Oh, okay. I haven't okay. been able to finish it yet. It's brutal. Oh my gosh. It's it's so hard. I've tried it three or four times now. Yeah. I haven't been able to actually complete it. I, uh, I've i gotten to the very last encounter of it. Okay. And like, it's it's just the, the time between checkpoints is so brutal. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's rough. My time is 13.8 seconds. Whoa. All right. I'm going to have to beat that. My right now is <laughs> 22. Those the break the targets. I mean, that is what I was struggling with the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's it's rough. So there there is a, a huge challenge there. Yeah. Uh, That's totally a real reflection. I didn't exaggerate that whatsoever. That's absolutely 100. Oh, yeah. Eric did in 13 seconds. <laughs> yep. Did yeah. the entire stage. No, no. That's, that's actually my campaign. <laughs> 
time. My speed run for the oh, entire okay. campaign is 13 points. Uh, exploits. Well, there you go. Exploits. That's all I got to say. Exploits. Dude, I think the world <laughs> record on After All Turn is like eight minutes or something. No it's like way. That just to give you an idea of how long After All Turn really is, because most of them are like, what, two, three minutes? They're so like, nuts. When, when even like speed runners can't beat after Alterna in less than like eight minutes. That's how that just gives you an idea True. of how long the stage is. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, really good campaign. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, what they do with the expansion that is forthcoming, but to, uh, move us into presentation a little bit. Um, I think Splatoon has always done really, really well with its art design and like the character work, um, just the color, like it's such a colorful franchise. Um, and for me, I think a lot of people look at this and say, okay, yeah, like, you know, it's Splatoon. That's, that's Splatoon. Yep. Yeah. But, um, but, but I really like, and something I appreciated in both the campaign and in some of the like multiplayer and especially the design of Splatsville, the new hub, like I really like just how much visual, I don't want to say mess, but just like there's so much going on yeah. visually that I really like. There's a lot of little details to pick apart. So I, I really like that about this game. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, just talking about Splatsville, like this, this game is the most that Splatoon has ever felt alive. And I know maybe it's the mm -hmm. hype of a, a new release, but I really feel like there's somebody always talking or making like their little mailbox me verse posts um, yes. in the Splatsville. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have people that are playing the new table turf uh, battle um, and then uh, Salmon Run and Anarchy Mode and uh, Turf War. And it's cool because you get to see like what each friend is doing at that time. Um, and it just makes it feel so alive within the city. And, and now with the Splatsville or uh, the Splatfest, um, we see them have like it's always been kind of a concert setting, but now it's a festival and you kind of you get it. to see them set up like a week yeah. before. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love, I mean, in terms of graphical fidelity, this is Splatoon. We're not talking about some generational step up in terms of graphical quality. Mm -hmm. If you saw Splatoon 2, I mean, frankly, if you even saw Splatoon 1, this isn't necessarily a massive step up and just in terms of raw graphical power, but it's what they do with it. It's the world they create around that engine. Mm -hmm. and I, I agree with what both of you guys said. Uh, Splatsville alone feels like it's like it's more alive than it ever has been there's you know signs and you know you, the city just rose vertically it's just this massive colorful jungle all around you and yeah just like you said they've made it feel more alive in terms of like the Splatfests that are coming up you actually see the parade floats being erected you see the scaffolding out there setting up all the decorations before uh before the big event Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it very much feels like this big alive world, despite the fact that uh, Splatsville itself, the Splatlands, isn't really necessarily that huge of a map. It does what it's supposed to, and it has all the different locations that you need. It's not very large map, but it does feel like a very lived in type of world. You have a ton of NPCs that are running around that all represent other characters. You were talking about the Miiverse posts. You can, uh, you can interact with, 
characters that you've met online. They'll show up in your town. You can see their little posts. Matter of fact, I saw one today. Uh, obviously, the the Splatfest going on this weekend is uh, Grub versus Gear versus Fun. And uh, I, I saw one. Um, uh, I saw one. I saw several actually shouting out their allegiance with with Pokemon. One of that. Oh man, what was <laughs> the uh, the the Frost Moth first? Oh sure, yeah, Grubbin or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like Team Grubbin <laughs> or you know. Oh yeah, I've seen like a Hollow Knight Grub. You know, mm. people people have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. I've even seen. Yeah. I couldn't even believe this made it. I actually saw today. I saw one of those posts. Uh, saying pirate mother three. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, how does people, that even make all... it in? But some of them actually, some of them actually, they, they turn them into actual like store signs above the stores. And I thought that was a fun touch. Yeah. And, and like the whole Meverse posts, I don't know if that's what they're still called or not, but that's uh, what they are. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, interesting to see kind of this social media pop up in splatoon like it's not it's i don't know i I just see a lot of people using it to either promote them themselves on other platforms or they're just kind of like hey here's the daily post this is what it is and you get a fresh and i actually don't know if you get notified on that or how that works because i i always see people that are so creative and have like these really great looking posts and then mine would be like a stick figure or something. Um, (laughs) I wish I could do a stick figure. (laughs) I'll teach you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I mean like there is some kind of, especially with the younger generation, they are using this as their own kind of social media. Yeah, that is interesting. And it, and it's funny too to see like the way people react to certain things. I remember after the the original Splatfest demo that we had before the game came out, like I went back to Splatoon 2 and everybody was like, "Welcome home, traitor." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All, <laughs> all the me the meverse posts there is just really funny. So, you know, you, you get to see a little bit of that and um, you know, I I really like the way that's all laid out. I'm glad they brought it back. Um, I think another thing that's really cool is despite the fact that Splatsville is so much bigger than than Inkopolis was before it. I mean, Inkopolis, you go back to Splatoon 2 and it feels anemic. Like, it feels so small, you know, compared to Splatsville. Mm-hmm. Splatsville is this sprawling city with, you know, little alleyways you can go down and things like that and little areas you can explore that don't necessarily have anything in them other than little things to see or NPCs or whatever, but I like that it's there. I like that I can actually walk around a little bit and explore. So I think that's really cool. But I also love how seamless it is to where you can just get in. You can finally skip those opening broadcasts. You can finally do that. I know that's something everybody wanted. Um, So you can finally do that. Skip. I think the only, there there are a few mandatory broadcasts for like updates and Splatfest related things. Yeah, Splatfest ones are are mandatory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but otherwise, you can just hit that left stick and it'll just go straight to your little sea cucumber <laughs> phone and you're good to go. Um, so a lot less barriers, I feel like, than ever before between you and actually playing the game. So that was actually one of my hangups was that, you know, it's great to give people options. Like if people want to skip the newscast and I mm-hmm. understand that it's just a loading screen uh, and that's what it was for uh, Splatoon 2. But I did find a, a you know, some interesting little lore bits. It's it's not necessary 
to read them and you can just mash a through them but if you're wanting to hear like what pearl and marina had to say about each stage or the uh the time that they played on it you know they gave some kind of uh background on that um i always thought it was interesting and now that you can uh, skip it i still try to watch the newscast but now that they know that people can just skip it they don't really have interesting things to say so it's just kind of I don't know. That's like, a good point. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I still really like Deep Cut, though, but that is, that is a fair statement. But in terms of the presentation, though, I, I think the most important thing is the focus that Splatoon 3 puts on presenting yourself. Oh, yeah. Being mm. fresh, quote unquote, has always kind of been a theme. It's always been... You know, at the forefront, really, of the games, but with this game especially, it just feels like everything is centered around presenting yourself. You've got, you know, the photo mode. You've got, obviously, your gear that's always been there since the first Platoon, which does have a gameplay, which does have gameplay applications because the different Mm -hmm. pieces of gear have different modifiers for the online battles. But in addition to that, you've got your splat tags, but even in addition to that, they've added these lockers that, yes. I mean, they're cool. They, to be completely honest, they feel completely unnecessary to me. Yeah. It just feels like they've given you so many ways in this game to express yourself that some of them are just redundant. But I mean, they're there if you want to, you know, if you want to be like one of the billions of people who just put the Easter Island statue in your locker and and that's (laughs) it. But you've got the splat tags, you've got your gear, you've got several ways in this game to really express yourself. So they've, you know, leading up to the game's release, that was a big focal point of the marketing of kind of the Splatoon 3 Direct, especially that we saw back during uh, E3 week. and. Uh, oh, no, that wasn't E3 week. That was uh, August. Yeah, they had that like separate Splatoon 3 Direct mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that, that they did. During E3 week. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Yep. I do think um, it, it makes an interesting point, though, because that is something that I think is important to the Splatoon audience at large. Like um, this sort of customization, you know, player expression. I personally, I really love the lockers. Like, yeah, it's unnecessary, but it's yeah. super fun. And and I love like going into um, going into the the shop and like getting new stuff for my locker. By the way, shout out to to our guest Cheesy because I did earlier today get processed cheese as an <laughs> item that I can buy. What really? So that was just a really funny coincidence. Yes, that's, oh, that's amazing. Was- so you can actually get cheese to put in your locker. So be on the lookout for that in your shop, cheesy. All right. uh, <laughs> but but I I really like it. It, it, just, it reminds me of um, cheesy. You probably remember this w- before the game came out, and there was like that mistranslated thing where they thought uh yeah that you could have your own apartment or whatever. Everybody's freaking out about that. Just goes to show how important little customization things are. I think to the community at large. Yeah. So I and I completely agree, like everyone should feel represented in the game that they're playing um, and give them the options where I have a problem with it is um, and and a fear of mine that I, you know, I hope doesn't come true, but it might. Um, The same team that made Splatoon made Animal Crossing and Mm -hmm. Animal Crossing is amazing and it is so creative and does 
allow you to customize in any way that you want, especially with New Horizons. We saw a lot of that. Yep. And there was a lot of customization, but not a lot of this is what is new to the game. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we got terraforming. Um, I think they added cooking down the road, but I fear that with Splatoon, they could possibly do the same thing. I mean, now they have these catalogs, which I love. It's like a three month battle pass where you're not really paying anything extra. It's just you're playing and the more you play, the more you earn. And there's a hundred pages in the catalog for three months. Um, So that's going to give players a reason to keep playing and earn those items but I hope that they're not just focusing on customization. Like I hope we do get some new modes and new maps. And we've already been told that there are going to be future updates and they did show off like there will be returning maps and some new maps, but at the same time, we don't know how many, we don't know if there's going to be new modes. Um, you know, what, what else they have planned. And I know that they'll reveal all of that down the road, but this is probably like the biggest roadmap that we have gotten from Nintendo when it comes to what they're going to be giving us as uh, free updates. And it's still, is like really vague. That's, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's a really fair criticism. I think they could certainly, especially since this is like their big, you know, multiplayer forward franchise, big release for them. It would be admittedly a bit nice to have a little more transparency when it comes to, to that stuff. And, and Eric and I on this show have been very uh, vocal for our want for Nintendo to be more transparent in general. So, um, so I, I totally agree with you there. Um, any final thoughts on anything that you guys wanted to shout out about the presentation before we move on? Yeah. Just summarizing what uh, I said earlier, if you're looking for a big graphical upgrade from the previous game, that's not here, but I did think they added some nice flourishes basically to improve the presentation i like what they did with the meverse stuff i like how much more alive splats feel or the hub area feels and i i do like as redundant as they are i do think a lot of the ways they put in this game for people to express themselves are really cute and i have already seen a lot of people taking advantage of them it definitely seems like uh they could be adding more to that area, right? Because there's there's so many shops, but you can't go in them. But it seems mm-hmm. like maybe there could be updates to where you could like enter those those buildings. And, and maybe that's not the case. Like Splatoon 2 had this claw machine that was out of order at the, from the very beginning. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like maybe they're going to add a, <laughs> a claw machine and you get little plushes and you can play it. And then that never happened. It nope. was just this broken <laughs> claw machine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it will be exciting to see if that opens up even more or if they just leave it as is. I hope so. I hope so. But guys, music, it's time to talk about the music in Splatoon always has great music and and like for me i really love this game soundtrack in particular not only because i just love deep cut i mean anarchy rainbow is maybe my favorite splatoon track yeah now at this I point it's so good didn't think that it would be uh ebb and flow and it oh my right gosh. out the gate is like oh my god this is this is this is a party song
it makes everybody yes. want to get up and dance and get together and oh, it's so good dude our uh our friend our friend the red panda who's a, a friend of ours and he he did the theme song for the show did an anarchy rainbow remix that was immaculate nice. so good nice so good and it just it just goes to show like how how strong the soundtrack has always been for splatoon but i also love the way that the game isn't afraid to call back to old tracks mm-hmm. like the the way that the game especially like when you're playing in multiplayer maps um, you know, and, and you're getting those Splatoon 1 vibes on Splatoon 1 maps and like the way it'll call back to Calamari Incantation and things like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that. And even, even like the final song that plays during the credits of the single player, yeah. I was like, wow, this is so good. And like, and had all this like great callback and, uh, Splatoon always crushes it with the music. Just beating the game is, or the, the music that you, uh, the, the new single that gets released after you beat the game is worth playing through the game for. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wave goodbye. I, oh, I love it. And and they also have unlockable. That's one of the collectibles in the campaign. You can find these little golden records that play new songs in those areas. And there are a few of them. I, I Those are kind of like the more experimental tracks that I really like. And I feel like, y'all, this game has got some very overt Nintendo references. Like, I feel like this team is just a bunch of dyed in the wool Nintendo fans. Yeah. Like I can see that. Cause, cause you know, not only do we have like, I mean, there's like a Nintendo power magazine that you can get basically <laughs> yeah. in the yep. shop. Um, there is a very overt Mario sunshine reference in the campaign. <sighs> so good. Um, I don't want to spoil what it is, but that was amazing. <laughs> Bro. Um, but there's a song that's that you can unlock in the golden record that like I'm like this is like David Wise Sticker Brush Symphony 2 basically <laughs> I was like this sounds really? oh yeah there it plays in area 3 it's one of okay. the golden record tracks that plays in area 3 and when it comes on like it just literally sounds like they're they're directly referencing Sticker Brush Symphony okay. and it just Oh, just it's so good. Like I, I love stuff. I eat stuff like that up. I love music theory, and I love if people listen to this show. Know I'm like a huge video game music nut, and it's um, true. yeah, there, there's a lot to chew on with Splatoon 3's soundtrack. It's super good. Mm-hmm. I mean, for those for those that don't know, um, what I find incredible about the music is that it's not just music they decided to add for the game. It's music that is played by the bands in the world of Splatoon. Mm-hmm. And so if you're playing, for example, Octo Expansion, um, there's this character that you don't even learn about in the story. It's just through like uh, through the lore of like their art book, I think is where it, it came from. But DJ Deadfish is mm-hmm. the artist that you are hearing throughout all of the levels. Um, and so it's the same thing with deep cut in uh, the hero mode. And I, I just love that even these characters that we don't ever see or hear about the Splatoon team already has all of their backstory planned out and that they are part of this this world. And like um, Harmony, who is in the general store, is actually from the band Chirpy Chips. And uh, <laughs> so it's cool that we get to see one of the band members actually in the game. I would love to see more of that. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. It has this whole like, it has this like kind of underground Japanese punk rock kind of vibe. Like the, you know, in, in music is taken very, very seriously in Japan. And like, you can just tell that that translates to, to the team and, and the way they look at the music here. I mean, even the music has lore in this game, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> like they, they really do think out all of these different bands and things like that. And even that is bubbling beneath the surface if you want to dig into it. And I, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have found their sound when it comes to Splatoon music. And I don't know how they did it, but when you hear it, you're like, oh, that is Splatoon. Yeah. I think it's just if you take a glass of water and just start to gargle it, um, that's (laughs) that's That's how you come up with the music. Yeah. I don't care if the (laughs) lyrics are harder to understand than Simlish. Right. You, even when you go to play Fall Guys, it's like, oh, all right, Splatoon. You know, like, it yeah. sounds like Splatoon music. You yeah, know? it does. It does. So it definitely has its influences. But um, but guys, the, the most important part of any game is gameplay, of course. Of course. Um, so let's talk about gameplay. Honestly, you know, if, we're, if we're being real, like, you know, this is a sequel. So, like, in terms of the nuts and bolts of Splatoon, it's like, okay, yeah, like you're, you know, you're, you're shooting ink, you're inking turf, you're swimming and things like that. But this game is bringing some fairly major changes, um, quality of life improvements. I think way more so before we started recording cheesy, you and I were talking about how like before Splatoon 2 came out, people were like, Oh, it's Splatoon 1.5, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, and people are kind of saying that now with Splatoon 3, and a big reason why I wanted to get you on here is because you've always been like, no guys, like this is a... This is a proper sequel with some pretty major gameplay changes. And this one to me feels like more of a leap from Splatoon 2 to 3 than 1 to 2 did. Oh, definitely. Like looking at Splatoon 2, I don't know if I could go back to it because Splatoon 3 just offers so much. Um, And I can understand where people are coming from, where it looks like it's not really adding anything new. But if you haven't played it, I, I, I mean, I think your opinion will change once you do play it, because even though we do have all the same four rank modes, um, clam blitz is a little different with how many uh, clams you have to collect to make a power clam. Um, Rainmaker is different because uh, they have checkpoints now, so it's not as quick of a match as maybe uh, how it was in Splatoon 2. Um, and then you know, you like I was saying earlier, you have Table Turf Battle, which is their new card game. You're collecting cards throughout the throughout matches and throughout the hero mode. Um, and that actually is a lot of fun. And it's not yeah. online yet. Yeah. 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 Oh my god, I can't wait for them to add online to Table Turf. I'm I'm gonna become unreasonably addicted to that once they do that. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean it's gonna be crazy competitive. I think that's gonna bring in a whole new audience that wasn't already in splatoon or 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 you know there you have your audience that is uh casual you have the audience that is uh maybe wants to take things a little more serious and they play anarchy later on they're going to add uh x rank mode so you're going to have the diehards there um so there's just everything for for anyone and uh that card game really did change it up and i really hope that they bring it to splatnet because it just makes yeah, sense that makes to me perfect sense yeah. yeah now that being said if you've played splatoon or splatoon 2 you know how splatoon is played 
in terms of like the core gameplay, there hasn't been a massive upgrade or massive change necessarily to the core gameplay. You still run around, you still jump, you still fire whatever weapon you have. I mean, it's, it's Splatoon. It's still Splatoon. Uh, the biggest upgrades to like the core toolbox that you have, you've got the, like the different new squid jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like the core gameplay, not much has changed. Not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing because I think they nailed it with the first game, but they did, you know, very much like with the presentation, instead of having like a big technical upgrade, what they did is they've added little flourishes. They've added extra little things to complement the gameplay. You're not looking at a different core toolbox that you had from Splatoon 1 or Splatoon 2, but instead you're given new toys to play with when it comes to the core gameplay. You've got new weapons, new special weapons, especially, my God, I love the Akira Shark Slide motorcycle. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep. That's so great. I love the crab tank. That's amazing. The stingers, uh, the, the stinger bow, I think is fantastic. If you've played Splatoon, you know what you're getting into, but there are some really interesting new toys to play with. And crucially, all the all the weapons from the previous two games, all of them are present in this game as well. So if you had a favorite from those first two games, it's here as well. Yeah, I mean, especially with the wep- uh, special weapons, um, it just everything feels more chaotic. And I think mm-hmm. that is because uh, the final fest in Splatoon 2 was Chaos versus Order and Chaos 1. But when you're yeah. playing Splatoon 3, it's crazy out there. Like the, the And the special weapons really make you feel like you need to go into battle and attack. And um, it, it, everything just seems uh, faster. And uh, so I, I do think the gameplay has changed a little bit. I mean, it still is what you expect with Splatoon. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just more chaotic in that way. I do really appreciate all the different new modes because, you know, this is something when, uh, when we saw that Splatoon three direct, like I was just excited. I was just excited to finally have salmon run available. Oh yeah. We haven't talked about salmon run. Yeah. Yeah. Just that alone made me it's like all right well i'm definitely gonna be putting a lot more time into this game now yeah and and nintendo i feel like is always giving us things that we didn't know we wanted Mm -hmm. they they gave us this card game and they're like you're gonna like it i'm like am i and then yeah we're we're hooked um and they they know that people are gonna get hooked with it especially because you can make what is it like 15 16 different decks of of cards um so people are going to get crazy with that and making their specific decks for uh, specific boards. And uh, yeah, and with Salmon Run, I mean, they the gameplay there, throwing the eggs, that just Huge. makes everything so yes. much better. Yeah, that's Huge fair. game changer. Sa- Salmon Run is my favorite mode in this game. Straight up. Yeah. I like I love salmon uh salmon run in this game. All the different modifiers in here, the you know, the fact that I can just just simply being able to play it, you know, twenty four seven, not on this weird rotation. Now granted, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these things that, that are present in this game were present in Splatoon 2 by the time we got post launch updates, but 
you know, now a lot of that stuff is just stock. It's just here, day mm-hmm. one, Splatoon 3. And and that's why, like, I, I take issue with people who are really hung up on, like, the, the lack of modes. Like, yeah, I understand that things like, you know, Clam Blitz. I understand that this stuff was, like, eventually added to Splatoon 2 or whatever. Yeah. But, like, but it's here now, day one. And like that's that's what's important to me, and the fact that we are getting more after this is what is really exciting to me, because like they're they're not taking anything away. It's like a base, like we have as a baseline more than we've ever had before, mm-hmm. and I think that's great for a multiplayer forward experience. That's not something you see in every multiplayer game, and and Splatoon three does that. Um, and and again, just like removing some of those barriers, like huge quality of life improvements that. Coming into this game, my my two big things were I want to be able to play Salmon Run 24-7. Cool. Great. We got that. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to make private lobbies with friends and, and be able to easily link up and not have to be like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going into matchmaking. Join up on me now before I get <laughs> into the match and like maybe we'll get on the same team if we're lucky. Like no more of that. You can easily group up and play with each other online now like you can in every other multiplayer game and it's great. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of online, Let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, or I guess the giant squid in the room. The the kraken? The kraken in the room. The, gi- <laughs> the giant zapfish in the room. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of people who have, let's just say, been having a not-so-fresh time online with some of these matches. Uh, I have run into a couple communication errors in between matches, which caused me to basically just resync to the internet. But for the matches, for the actual matches that I've played personally, I haven't had a single issue like mid-match. I had a couple during the during the world premiere Splatfest, uh, admittedly. I had several issues where people would jump out and there was all these problems with uh, people rage quitting or just losing connections or whatever. I haven't had any of those personally since the game launched. I haven't had anybody. Granted, I, I'm i not trying to go like super ranked match. That's not why I got the game. I'm not trying to become the greatest platoon player ever. I'm more than happy to just play regular Turf Wars the entire time. So from that respect, right. I haven't really had too many online connection issues. I know it's been kind of a, a crapshoot for a lot of people. I know some people like me haven't had too many issues. I know some people just can't seem to get a break. How are you doing with that, Cheesy? How are you doing with communication errors? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm getting them, but um, yeah, I don't think they're as bad as what they were with the premiere Splatfest, and and that was even under different circumstances because obviously they were testing the servers, um, and that was only for the Splatfest, so you didn't have like Salmon Run open, you didn't have Anarchy, um, so mm-hmm. it was it was a lot on those servers, um. The one thing that is frustrating is is I do a lot of rank mode and sometimes you will get a connection error and it will say like, don't worry, uh, this won't count as a loss. Uh, and then you get into the lobby and that's already one of my my losses, which with this new rank mode, it's best like three out of five or well, you have to win five uh, matches. But if you lose three, then you're done with the series. And so it counts it as a strike, even with that connection error. 
Um, right. and, and they've had maintenance updates already, um, even just a week out. So that's good. Um, I feel like they need to because like we have said, this is Nintendo's biggest online game right now. So they need to make sure that everything is going smoothly or as smoothly as possible. Um, it's it's frustrating, I think, because we're so used to playing games online and not running into this issue. And then we have Nintendo, which it's hard. Um, I think I brought this up yesterday, actually, is that uh, Nintendo's online is more on the cheaper side. So it's like you get mm. what you pay for but it shouldn't be excusing them for their online service. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cause, cause you know, you're still paying full price for the game and whatnot. And so like you do, you, you know, you come into this, especially since we all know um, as, as Nintendo content creators and stuff like Nintendo migrated to these new servers and whatnot. And like, it seems like Splatoon three is using this weird amalgam of like, of the new servers for the like new lobby functionality. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still using some kind of weird peer to peer thing for the actual matches. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on there, but for me, like I've had a lot of connectivity issues, which is weird because my experience with the demo was actually the opposite. Like I had zero. I don't think I had a single connection problem. The entirety of the demo. Isn't that weird how that works, which is weird. But now that I'm into the final game, I'm getting them constantly. Like probably a third of the matches I try to get into. I have some kind of communication error. Really? And that's weird. Yeah. Like it's, it's pretty rough. And, um, but you know, if I'm playing with friends and like we're linked up and we're in like a four player lobby or whatever, well, there's half the match right there. So we have no problems. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can play the, the entire night if we wanted to and not have a single communication error. So your mileage may vary. I know there are people in the community who have said like, Hey, like, uh, even literally on the same connection, like uh, shy guy, one of our community members, he was like, yeah, like I'm playing it. I'm having zero communication issues. Then my wife is playing it the exact same way on the exact same connection. And she's having a bunch of them. So it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like weird and random. I, I don't know the exact root of the problem, but to your point, cheesy, they're they're already updating this, and they have promised already that more updates are coming um, to to this in particular in the future. And I have noticed it getting better mm-hmm. as time has gone on already. So yeah. you know, it, it it is weird as we're sitting here having a review discussion for a work in progress sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, because we we know that this is going to get better over time. Um, but yeah, that that has been, I think, uh, a little bit of a jarring experience for some people um, as, as they've come into this. Like, you know, paid $60 for it. We want to play Splatoon. And we're having all these weird little issues that we didn't expect to have, especially yeah. when other games running on this service like Monster Hunter Rise or like Mario Party Superstars have been so good yeah. on the online. You know, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I think it would be a shame if we didn't talk about the lobby, because that's probably one of the biggest improvements of Splatoon 3 is now while you are uh, waiting for your match to start, you're not just staring at a screen. (laughs) And why did they take away uh, Squid Jump and all the little fun mini games that were in Splatoon 1 that we couldn't even have them in Splatoon 2? We got to like mess around with the music, but that wasn't as fun. Um, But this uh, this game, you get to test your your weapons in the testing facility, and then there's even like a bar, a barcade 
upstairs though you can't do anything with it yeah i hope they do something with that yet yeah yeah i mean maybe that's where people are going to be playing the uh table turf battle online um or maybe the last squid jump back in who knows oh that would be awesome that'd be great um but yeah the lobby is really good and the way that the the menus are set up i know that some people have had issues with them or or thought that they were kind of complicated to understand Uh, But I think once you understand them, it makes your online uh, experience a lot better. Yeah, I agree. They've broken down a lot of barriers and they've made things a lot more streamlined. And and once, you know, once this game continues to add content to it and once they continue to update things like the the online connection and things, um, I, I really think that at root, if we're talking about just like what is here and not the sort of like your mileage may vary stuff, mm-hmm. like what is here I think is really strong. And I think it's the best that Splatoon has ever been presented. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they've really nailed it with this one where if there was like some kind of barrier that you didn't quite vibe with, with Splatoon 1 or 2, I think that Splatoon 3 has got a lot more in line with some of the modern conveniences we're used to in other shooters. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. It's definitely just a unique series. If no one has played it, it's I've never played a game like this before, especially like an online shooter where your ammo affects the, the map. And even if you're not a great uh, shooter, like if you're not good at aiming, you could be good at turfing, which is needed. You know, we need you on that team. Um, it's it's a game i keep saying it but it really is a game for everyone i think you just have to try it and there's probably something that you'll like about it if i can perform admirably in this game <laughs> then i think most because i'm i'm good at most games but when it comes to online multiplayer shooters i'll jump into something like halo i'll jump into something like call of duty or medal of honor or counter-strike or even something like team fortress and i'll get absolutely plastered i know there's that whole learning curve and getting in there but like you can even jump into splatoon after not having played for literal years like i did and i'm still doing okay at the game yeah and and to cheesy's point earlier too if you're somebody who does want to get just real sweaty with splatoon like you can do that too. Oh, like yeah. they, they have like the the you know the the anarchy battles and like the extra little gameplay things like for hardcore Splatoon players, the ability to do those charge squid jumps and have those like those few iframes or whatever take less damage when you're doing the the squid roll mm-hmm. or whatever. Little things like that are like huge gameplay additions. Yeah, I've seen you know? I've seen some some videos on Twitter of people doing insane stuff on Splatoon that almost makes me want to rethink my entire you know, just playing the game in general, <laughs> but I've seen some people do some nut stuff on this game already, but you know, thankfully that's still the minority. Once that becomes the major, uh, once that becomes the majority, I may, I may rethink my Splatoon three lifestyle, but as of right now, I think there's a nice even balance of skill levels. Yeah. Well guys, any, um, any final thoughts on Splatoon three, anything that, that we, we still need to talk about or, or mention or just final thoughts on the game in general. For me, Splatoon, like I said, it's just a series that means so much to me and I'm so happy to see it growing. And this honestly is only the beginning. I mean, when we saw uh, Japan 
just within three days it sold oh my god 3.45 yeah. million copies just All to give a little con yeah just to give a little context uh the first game on wii u which had what a, a user base of like 13 million people yeah um sold six million and that that was pretty good but it's splatoon 3 is probably already reached that or close to it well, um it was the fastest selling switch game right like that yeah, yeah over that, animal crossing in japan. and yeah, pokemon in japan, yeah it was the fastest selling switch game which considering some of the games on some of the releases on the nintendo switch doing that over animal crossing alone is yeah. nuts especially considering when animal crossing came yeah. out yep yeah um you know they said that they're going to be updating the game for the next two years but with that news i mean it they could push it at, an extra year um if people are really enjoying it we're getting a, a deep cut concert yes. uh, live yeah in uh october i forget the date but sometime in october and those concerts if you haven't watched these uh hologram concerts of the idols from the game so mm-hmm. cool they're incredible it, it's so good um yeah i mean th- this is nintendo's coolest series and i think that they know that and um it's just the beginning and i'm i'm really excited to see where it goes but also seeing people finally jumping onto the splatoon train yeah there's a lot of reasons a lot of reasons to love this game uh in terms of the presentation it's more vibrant even though you know it, th- there are a couple red flags the the graphical like there's there's no huge graphical upgrade there's no big new tool set for the core gameplay and there are a lot of people having online issues right now but i mean the single player is fantastic the core gameplay is as solid and it's as it's always been with a bunch of new tools to and a bunch of new toys to play around with a ton of new modes and quality of life improvements for previous modes that make them even more accessible um there there's just so much to love about splatoon 3 Nintendo is already working on fixes. So hopefully if you're listening to this review a month, two months, two years down the line, all of those online fixes, all of those online issues have been resolved. But even as it stands right now, even if I started getting a lot of those uh, online issues, this would still be my go-to online multiplayer game on my Nintendo Switch for at the very least the remainder of 2022. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, I, I love it. I, uh, I'm i having a great time with it, and I'm excited for this to kind of become the new, you know, kind of fixture in, in my gaming rotation. The new kind of like, all right, let's jump on, play some Salmon Run. Seth, you and I have whatever. not played nearly enough Salmon Run yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, there, there's been a ton of Salmon Run going on in the uh, in the all-in community already, yes. but I'm just, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's uh, It's been a, a great time. And look, again, we, we've got... The, the future is really exciting for not only the series, but for this game. I can't wait. Cheesy, we're going to have to have you back when the expansion comes out. Oh, I would love to talk that. about the expansion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I could probably talk about this series for hours. I mean, just even like the little nitty gritty things of, of <laughs> lore building and uh, like how Hammerhead Bridge is finally done with yeah. construction, which yeah. was in yes. a map in Splatoon 1. And that's how we're able to go from... Uh, Splatsville to Inkopolis and the fact that they even thought of that 
it just makes me happy that it's not like, yeah, this returning map is coming back, even though it's in a different area. Don't worry about it. No, they actually thought about <laughs> it. And and so everything is just so well thought out. And uh, I would love to come back and and talk more about Splatoon. Well, since twist, we, yes. twist my arm, if you will. <laughs> well, since we have you here, I'm going to put you on the spot really quick about just one thing. Since we now sure. have three way splat fests, what would be one or two splat fests that you would love to see? Oh, uh, wow. Off the top of my head. I mean, like I've seen people talk about Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. That I feel was, like that's a good one. That was actually in our top five. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. I hope with the Splatfest that the themes get a little better because what I did like about just having two teams was like, do you like dogs or do you like cats? And then at the end of it, you got to like kind of see where the like the answer would be or like that was the winning choice. But this one is like, what would you take on a deserted island? Would you take gear, grub or fun? Yeah, that one's and weird. It's weird. And so is rock, paper, scissors. Like it's like, what's your favorite thing to to use rock, paper or scissors? And it's like it's, these themes aren't really working for me. Like I need to have right. something like um, I guess it's harder when you have three options, but something that feels like a more definitive answer. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, but look, we're uh, hopefully that's another thing that that they can uh, look towards with the future. We'll see. We do have a Splatfest going on this weekend. Cheesy, what team are you? Are you team Fun? I'm uh, Team Grub. Team, team Grub. grub. Well, okay. Team Grub. So, so you and I are both Team Gear, right? I'm Team Gear. Yeah. For me, the way that I looked at it is they said, "What would you bring to a deserted island?" And I am not your gear guy. You don't want me to have <laughs> tools in my hand. That's not going to help you in any kind of way. Uh, fun. I like fun, but I don't think that that's really going to help on an island. So, like, I'll bring the yeah. food, you know. Um, that's fair. And, and real quick, like, we didn't even talk about Big Run, which is going to be an event for. Yeah, it's going to uh, be added to Salmon yeah. Run. We still don't really know too much about that, other than they're invading the cities or the the maps that we play during uh, all these uh, different matches. The Salmonate are going to be invading those, and I'm interested to see if like that will have any kind of repercussion of how the maps will look after. You're going to have to deal with like Shin Godzilla salmonids or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is something that we can't really say. I mean, for all the, for all the crap that Splatoon three has been getting from some people online, this is the kind of dialogue that we can't really have about other multiplayer games. Like, oh man, there's all this cool stuff coming. And what do you think is going to happen here and there? Like, this is the kind of talk we can't have about, Something like a Halo Infinite, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, I, I just think that's really remarkable about Splatoon. Anyway, cheesy, uh, we we can't wait to have you back on the show. Point people in your direction, my friend. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, Instagram, uh, Nintendo Powercast uh, podcast, uh, cheesy C sixty four C H E E Z Y C sixty four. Um, and thank you guys so much for having me on. I, Seth, you know, I, I told you how much the series means to me. So the fact that you even invited me to do this segment um, really meant a lot. So thank you. Yeah, of course. You were uh, you're the first person that came to our minds, man. And, and it's been an absolute blast. We can't wait to have you back. But let's roll out the red carpet one last time for Cheesy. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> 
Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. Good luck. We'll be seeing you online. All right. Look forward to it. Well, that was a great chat with Cheesy. A uh, huge thanks to him again for coming through and hanging out and sharing some of his uh, passion for Splatoon with us. Um, and it was uh, just just a great time chatting with him about the game. And and you know we we have a couple of little issues with it, of course, but overall we're uh, we're super jazzed with it, and we can't wait to play this uh, Splatfest this weekend, man. Yeah. So you know we need to see if we can actually play some with him this weekend no different different sure, team you know, we can't do it he's he's that he's on that oh, team grub true. we can't do it that's true that's, <laughs> well i mean it's not just the splat fest there's so many other different things that we could do we could run some salmon run with him yeah but uh you know whatever make sure to make sure to follow him make sure to check him out on the internet guys make sure to look at everything he's doing but once you do make sure to follow us if you haven't already check us out on social media and on the YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at All In Podcast. You can follow us on YouTube at All In Podcast. Again, like we said at the top of the show, Seth just dropped an amazing video review of Beacon Pines, a game which we talked about earlier on in the episode. If you want to see his video review of that game, make sure to head on over to the YouTube channel. And for at least... A little while longer, you can still catch us on twitch.tv slash Podcast. If you're wondering why I said it like that, make sure to check out the news from this past week at the beginning of the episode. But we are still, as of this exact moment, doing our weekly news streams on twitch.tv slash Podcast Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. So make sure to check those out make sure to check us out on discord if you haven't already and if you want to join us for some splatoon this weekend if you want to run some splat fests or if you want to run some just turf wars or if you want to join us for some salmon run seth you and i really need to do that but if you want to join us hop into the discord we would love to have you become part of the all-in community But I think there's something we can all agree on. However you guys try to consume our content, at the very least, at the very least, you should check out All In and Nintendo Podcast, the podcast, at the very least, which you can do over on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and all the places where you get your podcasts from. And, I mean, we do so much with this brand now, so much with this All In network, but it all runs because of you. We do it all for you. And if you think we're doing a halfway decent job, you know, we'd love we'd love to bring this full cycle. We'd love for you to become a patron. Yeah, you can Q-Bone attack us over there and throw your bones at <laughs> yeah. us over on Patreon.com. Head, head still hurts. <laughs> over on Patreon.com slash All In Podcast. We've got three tiers of support. Uh, literally keeping the lights on, making the dream come true over there. Uh, we've got exclusive podcasts. We've got early access to video essays. We've got shout outs at the top of every single episode of the show and uh, and much, much more. So head on over to Patreon.com slash All In podcast where you can support us with those bones being thrown our way we super super appreciate that but eric do you know what they could do if they don't have any bones to throw not cause me traumatic brain injury 
the, well, the, there, there is that, but they could also drop some words over on Apple Podcasts, over on Podchaser, and on Audible. They can leave us five-star written reviews, just like Presto the Magnificent did earlier in the episode. And just like with Presto, we will shout out your written reviews and chisel them into the eternal rock that is all in a Nintendo podcast. And on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating, a super easy, super free, and super appreciated way to support your favorite independent Nintendo podcast. Help us with visibility. Help us climb those ranks. And uh, we we appreciate y'all so much for doing that. We do. We appreciate each and every single one of you. We appreciate our patrons. Of course, we appreciate everybody who has ever left a review for the show. We appreciate you, even if you just show up each and every week and listen to a couple of us big honking nerds talk about Nintendo for a couple hours each week. However, you decide to embrace All In Podcast. We want to thank you guys so, so much for doing so. Namaste. Namaste. We've got uh, a lot ahead of us, dude. Next week, we've got the big... I'm so excited for next week. Yes, the big Xenoblade review. Finally, we're going to finally do the dang thing. Uh, That's going to be massive. I don't even know how we're going to tackle that. And what's next week, Seth? Next week is also... Our next episode goes live on October 1st. Yes! Spooky month, baby. Yeah. Spooky season is... Spooky season 2022 hashtag all in sweep spooky season 2022. Yes, indeed. So we are very much looking forward to that. We love to blow out spooky season here on all in. So very, very exciting things to come, uh, man. I am, I am so looking forward to it. I am too. We're definitely going to have to do some very creative bits for our intro this coming (laughs) spooky season. No clue what we're going to do yet, but as always every year, we are going to have a ton of fun doing it. So you guys should absolutely check us out all October coming up here on all in a Nintendo podcast. But until then, until then, until next week, everybody, I have been Tatsunoko versus Eric. And I have been Seth Fox Adventures. We love y'all very much. Stay spooky or get spooky and then stay spooky. Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye.